0: Jagged at two girls, one cup. You cringed at two guys, a girl, and a pizza place. Now it's time to get uncomfortable with two nobodies, one podcast. This is here's my movie. Pa 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 pa.
1: Here's my movie! Uh, Alright, hello and welcome. Um, I'm a little bit disappointed that we didn't actually change this up for the feature film for this edition. I wanted to do the, maybe the...
0: You know? Where's the bit where we yell,
1: Here's my movie! Oh, don't you remember that from the original?
0: No. No? Enlighten me.
1: (laughs) No, um... So, in case you hadn't guessed, the uh, the feature film that we're doing is the Terminator. That is the original from nineteen eighty four. Before everything sort of got really amazing and then really bad uh, in that series, but we're we're going to dive deep into that one, and I'm really looking forward to it because it's one of my favourite films. Is it? It is. What does
0: it rank? How well in terms of your phase, like Alien, Blade Runner, and then what Terminator? Wait, Gone with the Wind? Gone with the Wind's up
1: there. No, no, no. So it's in your
0: top five or your top ten?
1: Top ten. Yeah? No, well... Terminator 2 is in my top 10. Okay. This probably sits in my top 15, but top there's, there are a lot of films in the world, so yeah. the f- top 15 is pretty strong. Well,
0: my top 13 movies definitely <laughs> includes The Terminator.
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty it, it much. It doesn't.
0: It actually doesn't. No, uh, but
1: you're forgetting Silence of the Lambs as well, so that's that's in my top five.
0: That's my bad. I'm going to be punished for that one later, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do but, that, don't I? I'm no, yeah. you're Renowned for that. If only they knew Before we get too far into the Terminator, far be it from us to tease. Uh, I wanted to quickly mention apologies on my behalf. Uh, We're like a weekish behind, technically. We want to do this every week, but uh, I had a a trip, an international trip to Los Angeles for a game, for people who play games, Borderlands 3. Uh, Long and short of it is it's shaping up well. I wish I got to play it cold. We only got to play it solo, but uh, it's on the right track. You bought a Lance fan, Katie?
1: You know what? I have it, but I've never played it. The Handsome Collection. That's I, right. I bought that. I think pretty much immediately after we started dating and and getting to know each other because you recommended it to me, and I just I have not played it. So we
0: both got a copy on PS Four, and we never really got around to
1: to doing the whole, and now, whole thing.
0: Now the new ones coming out, I'm just like, why would we bother? Mm. So that's a, But we've
1: got till September
0: or something, haven't we? It's like yeah. We've got other games to play, though. We talk about playing a lot of games
1: together. <laughs> mm. It's true,
0: but maybe you know, maybe they are fun. They're very addictive, though. And if you're a completionist like I am, and like I am, yeah, then it's gonna it's gonna take a long time. It's gonna be hard to to do the basics, basically.
1: Yeah, I've kind of I've got one level, <laughs> for one mission left on Wolfenstein, and. Uh... That's the new one for New Gen, by the way, but
0: The New Order, not the sequel, The New Colossus. Yeah. Nor the in between one, the Old Blood. That's right. It's not That's confusing. Right. It's not confusing naming conventions at all. <laughs>
1: I've got one mission left and I haven't even attempted it yet because I don't want it to be over. But at the same time But it's time, not over. It's not over. Um and the but the the mission before that was like really, really super hard and I rage quit about seventeen times <laughs> playing it before finishing that part of the game so i'm not anticipating that i'll have an easy time with it and you know i just want my life to be easy sometimes yeah
0: yeah if uh, life is not on easy mode so why should uh, games be on
1: hard mode yeah and i'm playing it on hard mode just to be hardcore yeah why
0: would you do that to yourself i don't
1: know i just want to be cool you know
0: yeah i don't know if that'll help But we are not You're such a piece of shit. Yeah, we'll, we'll move it on from that. Uh, no comment. Uh, we, we're not a gaming podcast, obviously. So before no. we dive into Das Terminator, which I believe is German for the Terminator, uh, I
1: had no idea that you were fluent in several other
0: languages. You'll learn many things about me in this podcast that you may not have known before, young wow. Catherine. But uh, you there was a- me every day. Every day. Every day. Every day I'm hustling <laughs> or surprising it. No, we don't edit this podcast, and I regret that joke. Uh, there was we a teen- do edit the fucking podcast sometimes. <laughs> we don't edit for content, though.
1: No, not really. Although no. It is for- and it- especially if you've done a crap joke, I'm definitely leaving it in.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yours all stay in, so.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but we did edit for content last week. One very brief thing where I accidentally dropped a spoiler. So thank you, Katie, our... Editor, web designer, uh, writer of scripts
1: extraordinaire. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, look, you're welcome, and I'm just sorry that (laughs) I'm kind of 50% on all of those things. No, that's all right.
0: Not that this is scripted. I mean, I feel like we need to make that really clear. Katie has not gone and written 200,000 words that we are trying to make sound realistic (laughs)
1: <laughs> you know so i i there i've often I spend a lot of time just on that point I, I I don't know why I do this to myself, but I spend a lot of time on the screenwriting subreddit on reddit and um there have been several times i think i can probably in the last six months i I'd say that this question has come up about ten times at least, which is how can I make it sound cool when two people are talking? <laughs> This is what I understand. Like,
0: <laughs> obviously there is oh an fucking art. fucking God. There is an art to writing dialogue, right?
1: Team me up, Scotty. Yes.
0: And we've all encountered bad dialogue in movies yeah. before. Yep. Um, and we've also encountered pretty unrealistic dialogue that we consider to be good, like Sorkin springs to mind as yeah. someone who writes, like, it's it may as well be elvish because nobody in the fucking world talks like Aaron Sorkin thinks people talk but it works it's, it's beautiful and it flows and it's bouncy and nobody says um or ah there's no dramatic pauses people cut each other off at the appropriate time the comebacks are seamless that is the dream of, uh, of screenwriting but within that people also want it to feel grounded which is where like your Tarantinos come in with their <laughs> realistic dialogue, and he's quite clever because his thing about exposition is that he has expositional dialogue. He just buries it mm. amidst a whole lot of noise, but entertaining noise, so it doesn't stick out like a sore thumb. Like, what did you do on the weekend? Were you on the space station when it launched? <laughs> uh, yeah, so he buries it a bit better than that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And to Aaron Sorkin and, and you know, Several other examples friends in, of the podcast. In, in the business. Yes, friends of the podcast. <laughs> Hi, Aaron. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll get around to reading that script you sent me. I'm just very busy at the moment, but um, and I'll re- let you. Know, I'll, I'll let you know if I give it the thumbs up. You and know. when
0: you write a better comment, we'll read it out on the podcast. A <laughs> bomb. I call him a bomb. I don't know what you people call
1: him. But, <laughs> uh, but the, I mean, I respect a, obviously in cinema a certain amount of theatrical style dialogue where you know people always. Like to, you know, the antithesis of the George Costanza where the, the the character always has this witty comeback that they immediately can shoot at somebody in an argument or a debate or in a situation that's unfair towards them or whatever. Whereas, you know, then you've got the, the Seinfeld angle where George just sort of sits there and takes a really embarrassing, shitty takedown in the office and then <laughs> driving home. He's like... Jerkstore <laughs> I should've said Jerkstore because that because <laughs> that's life that's and, reality Yeah, that's reality and both work really well and they're really they're both really amazing examples of of different types of dialogue writing but I mean if if you're and uh, this is not a like a dig at at newbies like I've written a fair few million billion not really but I've written Probably hundreds of thousands of of screenplay words by this point in my life. Damn. Um, probably a hundred thousand. Let's let's just cut it off at a hundred thousand. Which was still
0: half of the script for this episode.
1: Yeah, yeah. For those mathematicians. But, yeah, keeping that's up. right. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's just cut it off at a hundred thousand. That's not, number one. I, I don't want to. Yeah, that's number one. I don't want to get ahead <laughs> of myself or anything. But like, so I've I've got some experience at it. So I'm not like a newbie, but I'm obviously not like I haven't made it or anything. No. Um, but when you sort of you see these. Uh, questions from people who are clearly coming in cold um, or haven't really written anything down yet, and they're sort of asking like How do I make a conversation cool um, That question over and over is is a little bit sort of puzzling because by this stage there's i mean there, and there's so many free resources out there in terms of blogs and online magazines and YouTube videos with experts that break down exactly how they put together. Conversational dialogue yeah. and things like that, so uh, there 's a fair few resources out there for to that directly answer that question, but it kind of all boils down to like think of the world 's most boring conversation like for me it 's usually like when a distant aunt tells me what her you know friend 's friend Simon, who runs a fruit shop and their nephew is going to flight school. You know, or something like that where, you know, and you just think, why am I being told this? Like, end it.
0: Yeah, why did you think this was worth telling?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, do you have a story worth telling? Think of a time when you were telling a story or someone was telling a story to you or or a situation happened that was noteworthy. (laughs) Start there.
0: (laughs) And even like... During drafting. Yeah. Especially the first draft, the goal is to get to the end. So yeah, yeah. if and you're look, stuck thinking about that witty comeback, just don't. Just write insert witty comeback here. Yeah, insert or
1: the jerk store called and they're running out of you. Or
0: your mum or anything <laughs> that you know doesn't work, because the beauty of writing and rewriting is that you're coming back to it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I've I've had to learn to not get too stuck on on that. Again. Like Katie, not a professional screenwriter. No,
1: no, absolutely not. Um, but, and that goes—that's I'm talking about myself there. Like, but we've, you know, we're plugging away at it. You know, the, the classic sort of starving artist slash person who does it in their small bits of free time and has a day job for the rest of it.
0: And then also records a podcast and
1: yeah. Tries to live our best life. Yeah, gonna have a red hot go at maybe curing Ebola or something later as well. I'll just just see how it goes. On the list for me, like why not? It seems like a shoe in. I don't know. It Kind of feels like everyone's trying to do that. I don't know why you'd do something. So what aren't people doing? Maybe I can create
0: cancer. (laughs) Is that is that the good thing? I don't know. Yeah, I am the supervillain of this story. (laughs) All right,
1: cool. Yeah, but it's I don't know. It's just it's just funny to me. I am obviously no expert, but um. Yeah, it's it is very interesting to hang around those subs and you see the the sort of places people are starting and you just think, oh man.
0: <laughs> so what are you doing? Is it like a confidence boost thing? Is it to see what else is out there? Is it you feel like you're in a position to help people even though the internet is notoriously bad with actually not seeking the help for which they ask and instead just want you to tell them that their shit is the golden, you know, egg that was laid by them, the golden goose.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, that that actual thing there that you've just said is, is the biggest problem with that particular subreddit, and I'm I'm led to believe that it's similar for meetup groups and places like that where people get together in a writing um, or, or, try, or or trying to write with a they're trying to find a writing partnership and things like that because they want that extra uh, boost to or, or or accountability, I guess, to to continue writing something. Uh, I went to a meet-up, a screenwriting meet-up in um, our local area once uh, before we knew each other and it was full of really insecure people that did not like feedback at all. Um, and, the, and the point of the meet-up was to read scripts and give notes and there was a guy there who's sold scripts and been uh, very, you, you know, I'd say very successful. I mean, he's he's writing for a living so he was sort of giving his time to... Uh, offer some professional support and things like wow. that, and there were people sort of what a resource. Yeah, you know, and and there were people kind of arguing the point over everything that he was <laughs> he was bringing up, and I would have found that intensely frustrating myself. But yeah, the in terms of the the Reddit uh, community in that sub, there's there's a small percentage of people that are absolutely amazing, and I, I can say that I've trolled through a lot of shit, but I have learned some great stuff from people or been pointed in the direction of a great script to read or um, like, for instance, recently I, I got the uh, the Black Mirror Bandersnatch script and I, I didn't like Black Mirror Bandersnatch. Pretty but, average. Yeah, uh, but um, the, the script and the way that's put together is quite unconventional. So it was good to see that and compare it to, you know, tons of other stuff that I've read. And so that – I found really interesting and people were sort of talking about that and breaking down how it would have sort of gone from a production sense cuz you know they've produced stuff and and all that kind of thing. So hearing um hearing people have that conversation and and joining it and stuff. That that's rewarding. I also like to help genuine people if I possibly can and I always preface it with I'm not a professional, but to me the characterization isn't strong here or you've established This character's story and then not finished It like things like that that You know people who are at least familiar With with screenwriting and screenplays can Kind of point out and at least that's something that they can develop. Well, here's what I learned
0: yeah. as well. I hey, I made that mistake myself and, yeah, yeah. and I read this or I got this advice and it really helped me. It might not resonate with everyone. You know? Yeah, yeah. Writing processes and styles are different. Christopher Nolan and Tarantino from the top of my head are two examples of people that basically just go straight to a screenplay and might write a three or four hundred word screenplay and then treat that like the artist working with a slab of stone and just cut away at it until they have this amazing sculpture. Yeah. Uh, that's certainly I have tried that format, and it's it's great for for getting a draft done. It just for me felt like there would be too many problems that could be avoided if you took more time in the planning stage. I'm a massive planner now. Initial steps are quite elongated, and and I find that every time I move on to a new project, that the steps become more and more elongated, like longer and bigger, mm. and and. In a way, that kind of sucks, I guess, in the sense that you're not actually doing that beautiful thing of diving deep into uh, all of the insecurity and also the elation when it starts to flow of writing the first draft. Yeah. But I find that it's it's like kind of doing your your planning, your architecture before you build your structure type thing. You start to cut off problems. Yes, you could, if you knew how to build a house, go and build a house right now without a plan. technically. But you're probably going to find at some point during that build that you should have put a a door somewhere where there's a wall or a Mm -hmm. window should have gone somewhere else or you've forgotten about rah-rah-rah-rah-rah because you're holding it all in your head. This allows you to test your idea and your story before you even get to the fun part.
1: Yeah, and sadly life isn't a theme hospital where if you accidentally put the window on the wrong side you can just kind of change it. Yeah. I mean, you can. Yeah. You
0: absolutely can. But, like, what I find is more common complaint from, you know, uh, similar amateur screenwriters is that they started their draft with inadequate, what I would identify as inadequate planning, and they get to a point where they get stuck. Yeah. Like, I don't get stuck in my drafts because I have. A treatment to fall back on. I have thousands of words of notes. I have scene breakdowns. I have Save the Cat software with mm. little beat sheets and setups and payoffs. So all of the maths, technically, even though I don't like maths, has been done. The equation works at that stage. You might occasionally encounter something minor, but then you just kind of roll with it, or you fix it, or you make a note to fix it in draft two.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I mean to that point. You don't suffer from this problem, but I think a lot of people do, and it's something that um, I've (laughs) – this is is a weird flex, but being part of tech startups for as long as I have been at this point in my life, this is like the single danger that can totally fuck your company if you have got traction and – you know, you you you're in a high growth period, and you're about to sort of hit your stride. If you've watched Silicon Valley, you'll see this happen a couple of times. Um, and there's a famous quote by I don't know some fucking white dude I can't remember, and it's that was his name, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it a, and Danish. it's and it's if you're not embarrassed when you shipped your product, you shipped too late. So yeah, right. that means that if you get too stuck in the planning and never actually start, that is and that can end up an epic fail that, and, and it's obviously, it's, it's more serious <laughs> when you've got a company with employees and uh, already uh, customer, you know, at a stage where you, you, you may have customers or you may have already started spending investor money. Like you're at a far more high risk situation there where too much planning will stop you from starting. And then that will cost angel investors and all that kind of thing. Lots and lots of money um, or all their money or all their investment. And, you know, usually the angel investor stage is the very first pools of money that you're using to start a company. So that's often friends, family, (laughs) inheritance, that kind of shit. So it's a really critical, crucial stage. So there's more risk there than there is if you're a writer um, planning and then not starting. Like unless you, I don't know, maybe if you've got like a literary contract or something like that and you plan, 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 never start. End up losing the contract, or they get another writer in to finish something that you've said you are going to do. Yeah. I mean, that's a risk, and it's a reputational risk. But that um, but people that get too bogged down in the planning stage can it can really affect their ability to to ever get anything off the ground. Um, I, I again, I think this was even on the the screenwriting subreddit. Someone had a um, like sixty thousand words of a treatment and planning notes (laughs) and that is huge. Like that is. It was all in one document, was it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, um, obviously I didn't read the whole thing, but it just like, it was. Nobody's going to read that though. Yeah. And that I'm sure like if if that helps that person, that's, that's great. Absolutely. Um, and I really, obviously I really wish them well and I want everybody to succeed because I know what it's like to have this dream, but it's that like spending so much time on that, can burn you out for actually creating the project that yeah. you've started planning for. Um, so you've, you've really hit a balance, which is awesome of planning without over planning so that you're actually fixing your own writer's block before you start and that is something that I haven't mastered yet. Um, I either shit everything out in a first draft and then work back from there and then by about you know, draft four or five, it starts to take shape in a way that I don't want to vomit when I read it. But there's nothing um, wrong with that. Yeah.
0: Like that is a process that as long as it gets yeah. you to the next step and towards an end goal. Yeah. That works, that works. Yeah. It's about finding what works for you.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And – um it, yeah so i mean you're 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 quite exemplary i think in that in that regard oh, where- no, no
0: no 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 let's not, let's not go that far like i my biggest challenge in the past was being addicted to first drafts. first drafts are addictive because that is the the fun and the playfulness, and basically knowing that. Nobody is going to read it.
1: No, and that's why I don't really care if I just shit out anything because it's not like I'm then going, ah, it's a unicorn shit, brilliance. I'm going to take this to every agent in town and they're going to bid, have yeah. a bidding war. like. <laughs> Those
0: writers are the, are the problem with Hollywood yeah. or with anything, with anything <laughs> written that is intended to be for a public audience. The people who write, I call them one-draft wonders, they mm-hmm. write it and then they, they send it out, it's done. I, I just need to edit it. I know I need to cross the T and dot the i's and it's good to go it's like no good writing is rewriting and it's a cliche but i believe it's true um the problem that i had was that yeah i got addicted to first drafts and to date i've written i want to say six probably seven it's on the board seven yeah i've written seven first drafts for different projects Mm -hmm. and none of them went through to the second draft stage not because i didn't like them except for one which I will never return to. It wasn't my idea. It was someone else's and it was supposed to be collaborative and it didn't work out that way. I mm-hmm. just ended up writing the entire first draft. That's not a lot of fun. Um, apart from that, all the other ones technically could be second drafts, but the problem was the excitement of a new idea moving on to that and, and trying to move things forward like five, six, seven, eight, nine, even ten things forward incrementally means on a long enough scale, maybe you'll finish them all. Mm. But really the challenge is to focus on one. And yeah. that has always been my challenge because just last, just last night, having a conversation with you, you mentioned something that sparked an idea and I write down a movie title and I intend on writing down one line so that it will be a memory reminder and I end up writing 200 words in bed for some new psychological thriller.
1: Excellent. Uh, now you've put that to uh, recording, you'll be hearing from my lawyer. So,
0: Oh, my lawyer's Patrick, and he's a cat. He's incompetent. He's always asleep on the job.
1: Mm. He just actually sort of wanked on a blanket next to me, and now he's asleep. I was so. waiting
0: for you to call that out. Like he, he really hasn't crashed. This He's just asleep right now. Um, he's not usually this well behaved. Ever. Ever. Yeah, he
1: but, seems to know this is important to us, though.
0: <laughs> well, he doesn't really care about anything else that's important, like walking through a doorway without tripping over. <laughs> I find that important.
1: So we kind of we went off track there with some little bit of screenlight screenwriting funsies, but that's okay.
0: Far be it from us to do that. What I did want to bring up was uh, there was a trailer released recently for Spider-Man: Far From Home. Mm-hmm. If you haven't watched it already, avoid it like the plague. Um, even if you've seen Endgame and It's amazingly ironic because Tom Holland, who plays Spider-Man, renowned for spoiling basically anything he knows about, to the point where the Russo brothers gave him uh, a version of the script that only had his lines because he kept spoiling things in interviews. That's so bad. Accidentally and enthusiastically, but, yeah, you know, people care about these things and there's lots of, lots of, uh, development hours and years of planning. And mm-hmm. you, don't, you don't want to have that ruined inadvertently by someone in an interview. Um, and I, I'm sure that he doesn't do it deliberately, but he introduced the trailer to go, don't watch it unless you've seen Endgame. It's got massive spoilers in it. And that's true, but it also has spoilers that I would argue for the movie itself. Right. And reveals that I think would be best experienced at the cinema. Mm-hmm. And it also has kind of like spoilers for the well not spoilers but like it basically identifies what they're going to be doing with the next phase of marvel movies in the fucking trailer now i'm not going to ruin any of that anyone scrambling for the pause stop fast forward unsubscribe button just a psa to say i watched it so you don't have to uh you can watch the earlier trailers if you want they do a better job of teasing things but this one is strangely straight into spoiler territory and usually they do that after the movie's been out and they do their 30 second TV spots where they're like, let's take the juiciest stuff ever just to get anybody to come and see it who hasn't seen it already.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so yeah, avoid that
1: trailer. Thankfully I haven't actually seen it because I, I, that was one thing that, I mean, like we've mentioned before, friends of ours just don't watch any trailers now and I think that's fair enough in a lot of ways because... They've become this highlight reel for all the best parts of the film, which are often the spoilery bits. So, uh, yeah, I'm kind of glad I didn't get spoiled for this because I quite enjoy Tom Holland as Spider-Man and I've started enjoying those films again, laughter, lots and lots of turds. So, yeah, glad I wasn't spoiled. Thank you for the warning.
0: You're welcome. Movie looks good, though. Like without the spoilers it it looks good and I mean it's essential now if you've watched all of those movies it's very clever that collaboration between Sony and and Marvel um, because you guarantee that everyone who loves Marvel movies is going to see it and everyone who loves Spider-Man is going to see it I just wonder how they're going to keep the people up to speed who are the Spidey fans who for whatever reason haven't watched the main thrust of Marvel or maybe the more casual Spider-Man fans who will watch any Spider-Man movie but haven't necessarily watched the 22, I want to say, Mm -hmm. Marvel movies that will kind of be informing the universe. That's at play. I mean, Endgame being the biggest one. Yeah, right. um, Because of the implications and the consequences. And even uh, Kevin Feige, the the guy who's kind of godfathering the Marvel Cinematic Universe, has said that he didn't consider Endgame to be the end of the third phase. He considers it to be Spider-Man. Which is also why they... Really? Yeah, they haven't announced uh, what the next movies are. They've announced release dates. Surprisingly, we have to wait until, I think, off the top of my head, May 2020 for the next Marvel movie. But it's all untitled Marvel movie, which they should have done earlier. Because there have been whispers about, you know, not whispers, there's been yelled from a fucking mountain about Guardians 3 and Black Widow and stuff like that. And that's all well and good, but, like, when people are watching these other movies and certain events happen where you're starting to think, like, how does this all fit into that? It would have been better for them to just go full stealth Mm -hmm. because Endgame tickets went on sale, I want to say, two or three weeks before uh, the movie was due to release in cinemas. And that movie has already sunk Titanic at the box office. Wow. And I dare say it will pretty comfortably beat Avatar. So it will become the most profitable movie. Maybe not adjusted for inflation. It'll be interesting to see how it all comes out in the wash. But that is a massive, got to be a massive gratifying payoff for a 10 or 11 year arc that started with Iron Man, who was a B or a C character as far as I was concerned. Um, And they've turned him into obviously a tier now mm-hmm. as well as thor and captain america because there's no you can't go back now you can't say they're not household names uh like batman superman wonder woman like all the or x-men you know spider-man they are as synonymous with comic books because of what they've done with the movies now and, the, and how they've entered the mainstream and than any one of those other examples
1: yeah i once wrote an article on like the shittest superheroes that I could find that have appeared in comics and uh, I'm really disappointed that they haven't done a movie on Arm's Fall Off Boy yet. <laughs> I think it might have been just this, this distant uh, DC character, but, yeah. It's terrible
0: when they when you get to that Z tier, you know, <laughs> and it's like they just don't give a fuck and they want to get away with taking the piss.
1: Yeah. And then there, I think there was the other one that w- was... Uh, Matter eater lad, so he could just eat any solid object. So like they'd be like, "Oh, we're in prison." (laughs) Be like, "That's okay, we'll just eat through the wall." (laughs) But you know, from like
0: (laughs) as far as names go, what was the one out
1: of Deadpool? Teenage Mutant Negasonic? Oh, Negasonic Teenage Warhead.
0: That's a terrible name. Totally. Like, but they make that character work in that movie. I mean, it's a fourth wall-breaking movie, so. Deadpool appropriately takes the piss out of her
1: name. Yeah. Uh,
0: but they make it work. And that's, that's the reality that we live in now is that any of these characters technically that we thought are, like, garbage or don't work have the potential to work. I mean, there was one in that Batman Arkham Origins game. I'm blanking on her name. Uh, Copperhead, I want to say off yeah, the top of my head. Yeah, the shark. No, she was, like, a snake... Thing, but
1: oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: In the comics, the character was like a mascot of the worst sport imaginable in this giant snake suit that didn't fit properly. That's right, that was his thing. So they turned him into like this kind of sexy assassin chick who uses poison. That's right, that's actually scary. That's a better delivery.
1: Of the same character. Yeah, Yeah.
0: you take all the same details that matter and you turn it into something that fits in a world where we want to see this as a threat and it's grounded and it's believable and it's cool.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So reimagining, but I don't know about what was it, Arms Falls Off Boy?
1: Yeah, so like he would detach one of his arms to then like use it as a club in a fight and stuff. Yeah, okay, I'd watch that. Would you though?
0: Hell yeah, I would. You wouldn't watch that? Fight sequence where a guy rips his own arm off and beats someone with it?
1: Yeah, but it like it was the comic didn't it wasn't gruesome or anything. Like it was sort of like a mannequin. Like I just sort of like a and then well, the arm sort of comes off. Here's
0: on. my movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Yeah, um, look, I would watch it with you with the view of being extremely negative and hating it the whole time. Oh, if they
0: did it properly, and by properly I mean if they took the piss out of it and it was like this ridiculous 80s gore fest thing. Yeah. Which they probably wouldn't do. I mean, who wants to who wants to buy that character, really? Exactly. If you're selling it on the cheap, I'll buy it. Uh, I'm <clears> talking <throat> about you give me money, then, yeah, I'll write your movie. <laughs> Sorted.
1: Shall we dive headlong into
0: this week's feature? I'm sure we should absolutely start with you. I was not aware that this was in your top 13 and a half or wherever we fell uh, movies. The Terminator. It's not a criticism, I'm just... I'm surprised uh, because I feel like we've had a lot of talks about Alien. Yep. Uh, we've obviously talked about Blade Runner and things, which will probably become relevant in later episodes. But we haven't really done the Terminator chat. And I think from my perspective, that's because there are really only two contenders for the crown. Mm-hmm. So when you've only got two, it doesn't really matter. I guess it's technically the same with Alien. Uh depending on who you talk to, mm-hmm. where two are God tier and then there is just like, if someone doesn't like Alien 3, I'm not like, what? What's wrong with you? I'm like, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Warning, warning. This podcast contains spoilers. Press pause and go watch the film before proceeding, if you care.
1: Yeah, look, I, for me, Terminator 1 and 2 make, Sort of my top films list, and it's because I love the idea so much. I think it's really clever and multi layered, and I'm very surprised to. Uh, I kind of went back and I had a look at some of the reviews from when it first came out, and they were overwhelmingly positive. But the ones that were negative, the the reason that they kind of poo pooed the whole thing, was because they thought the idea was so stupid. Really? Yeah, and I. I don't know how, like, even if it's not your thing, like, I think it's a really clever idea and it's, it's, it makes you, uh, it's the, I, I guess the, the rules of, of time travel and stuff like that can be, um, a bit different when, you know, depending on the, the, the story that you're looking at, the franchise that you're looking at. Um, but generally, you know, there's a, there's some rules that apply and they, I think they, they work with them really well here. And, well, they
0: just simplify it, don't they? They simplify it that you can change the future by changing the past. Yeah, that's just it. like like we're not going to complicate it beyond that. No, that's the only rule you need to keep in mind. Go enjoy the movie.
1: Pretty much, and I think that's kind of um, all you need. Like, I mean, the the, the <laughs> I hate the kiss principle, like, and how it's used in the media and things like that. But that's like keep it simple, stupid. Because right. the a lot of people have uh a bad habit of over overcomplicating things and Ridley Scott does that sometimes <laughs> in my in my opinion but James Cameron tends not to um and it's it, it was just so it's just such a fantastic idea and and it really captures all the cool stuff about that time period um so when you look at the kind of things, I mean, I mean, I, I wasn't even alive when this film was released to be, you know, to show my age. When uh, was it released? Nineteen eighty four. I was alive. Yeah. Just. Just. Yeah. So, um, I guess like it's not. It's not that I'm looking at it with the lens of nostalgia for a time of you know I was a teenager then so. All that shit was so mad, you know, or however people think, I don't know. Which is I'm
0: not why mad. your opinion is so important. Well. Because the, <laughs> a lot of the older people who saw this for the first time in yeah. the cinema are the ones who pedestal it and adore it, right?
1: Yeah, I look, I wouldn't say I pedestal it. I still, like, we're going to do a Terminator 2 episode, I'm sure. I don't know that it will.
0: I just did a massive cringe. I mean, really? you're to get to see it. I don't think I would change anything about Terminator. I will gladly take the challenge. I just do not think that there would be anything. It's whatnot. on our
1: spreadsheet, Nathan.
0: Yeah. I Did I add it? Shut up. Exactly. So if you've got things to change, I'll be there for that episode. No,
1: no, no. i mean
0: like, it's called Terminator 2 Judgment Day. The director's cut. Yeah. You didn't see it in the cinemas. That's my
1: movie. It's also James Cameron's uh-huh. movie. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Fair point. Um but okay, so if you if you look at the the films that were popular in that year, uh, and they, um, I hope I can remember these off the top of my head, but they were all very family oriented films, and they w- were groundbreaking in their own ways. But it was it was very much a family oriented low, like it was. Where you would see on the front cover at the, you know, where they put the the rating for the film, it would be, you know, mild violent themes or some or mild adult themes or something would be, how they would mark the more action oriented moments in that. In those films, how good so, is adult themes is a blanket statement like what does what that does that mean, mean? no, like do, does someone buy a beer?
0: Is it there a giant gangbang halfway through that like, seems like an adult theme. do I
1: see fifteen breasts
0: drugs decapitation yeah, like it it's a nothing term to yeah. go, oh, I don't know it feels like this rating
1: adult themes, yeah, I'm sure there's a definition for it somewhere, but i am I'm not gonna read that uh, <laughs> citation not needed no.
0: call back to episode one. <laughs>
1: So there was, like, the never-ending story was... Which I've never seen. Was... What? I
0: told you about my upbringing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right.
0: I mean, like, I could watch it, but this is the problem. Like, is it going to be any good? Is it going to hold up? So we should absolutely do that at some point.
1: Well, that kind of paved the way for a lot of really awesome fantasy films with with lovable characters. Gremlins was another one where that's actually a horror film, but it's rated PG. Um, So... And when I say that's actually a horror film, I'm not saying that. That is its genre according to, uh, like, IMDb and places like that. So it's not particularly scary, obviously, and it's clearly marketed to children because there was a whole range of very cute, cuddly toys that went along with the Gremlins franchise.
0: Which they did for Alien and I'm pretty sure Terminator as well.
1: Yeah, 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 that's true. Which is bizarre. Yeah, Uh, Ghostbusters. Um, so that I wouldn't say is a super scary. No, that's definitely family. But that's, that's like family comedy action kind of film with supernatural themes. with supernatural (laughs) themes, Like it's not, Oh my God, I can't sleep because I watched Ghostbusters. Like it's meant to be funny. Uh, Beverly Hills cop. That is, I guess you could say it's an action. Like it's, it's obviously an action film and I guess you could say it's, it's violent, but. It's so interspersed with obvious comedy that it's – and it, maybe it's not quite family-oriented, like it's definitely for adults, but it's not leaning heavily into the darkness in terms of of dramatic violence and yeah. things like that. Um, yeah. Uh, or The Karate Kid, obviously. That's a very, very obvious family film. Um there's one that I can't th- – oh, like. this was the era of like Revenge of the Nerds and, and Police Academy and those kinds of films. Um, so to see like this come out is – for me it, it kind of changes everything because you've got – I guess you could call it fantasy elements or maybe more sci-fi elements. But, sci-fi, yeah. Yeah, sci-fi um, with the, the whole time travel element and Skynet – what, overrunning the world with robots and... A and, um, and, robot that looks like a human? A robot that looks like a human that does everything that a human can do. And, you know, to what end? I guess that's still fairly unclear, but uh, <laughs> but humans are, are literally sort of living in dust bins and in landfill, hiding from the terrible robots that will just kill them on sight sort of thing. So they paint this this horrid dystopia in the future the the violence is is really violent in in the terminator he kills without mercy without remorse as Kyle Reese makes very clear when he's trying to convince a bright-eyed bushy-tailed non-soldier <laughs> Sarah Connor about why she's so important to the future of existence it says it doesn't feel pain doesn't feel remorse and, and it never. will and it will not stop ever until you are dead that is horrifying. It's not a horror, but it's a horrifying concept. But it is a, it's a horror movie, isn't it? <laughs>
0: yeah. That's one of my old friends gave me a greater appreciation of it because I I grew up on Terminator Two, and like obviously in the back of my mind I knew there was another Terminator. This bloody called cool Terminator Two, right? But again, I wasn't old enough, wasn't allowed to watch it. I'm pretty sure it had like an R rating in the States, which probably meant MA here. Maybe they dropped it to an M in one of those weird situations where, like, Die Hard is an M, but it's got, like, fucking shit and boobs and all this stuff. But, (laughs) but, like, somehow it's still an M, which is great because everyone should watch Die Hard. But I think that Die Hard should probably be MA.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. And
0: Terminator should as well, the original Terminator. I'm pretty sure it was, but I'd have to double check. Yeah, Um, but, like, it, it was not appropriate for families to watch, whereas Terminator 2 kind of bridged that gap of being, you could watch it with your kids and there were bits that were kind of scary and confronting, but, like, mainly it was an entertaining action blockbuster.
1: Mm. i, uh, I got to say, though, like when I was a kid, Terminator 2 was on probably every three months on on Channel 10. And what a great delight that is. What a great delight <laughs> that is. So I've seen it, like, many, many, many times, but... Um I remember sneaking out of bed and sitting behind the chair on my, my grandfather's chair in my house to watch the whole thing. And
0: Terminator Two? Yeah, Terminator
1: yeah. Two. And the scene with Sarah Connor uh dreaming like she falls asleep and she's dreaming and she's telling the kids to to run because there's like a nuclear attack about to happen and she's grabbing onto the fence and then gets consumed by fire oh, yeah. and just becomes Horrifying. a skeleton clinging to the yeah. fence. That like that st- that stuck with me. <laughs> that, still not still it. not sleeping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's it's. I wouldn't say that it it's super family oriented, but it's definitely it it, it, it folds a little more of the, um, I guess family drama into it than the ter- than the original had. The original was very much about establishing a terrible threat an unstoppable force that kills with menacing violence and absolutely no emotion whatsoever.
0: But that's, that's where the greater appreciation came from, and not that it was told to me in these words. It was like he described the trailers, that were very much a horror movie, and then they just framed it in a way that was horror. And, I mean, this is the ultimate slasher movie with a relentless killer that believably cannot be stopped by conventional means, unlike any of the other ones who you shoot them or they fall off a cliff and you know they're coming back. Mm -hmm. No explanation just because they're the killer and they are required to exist. Whereas you shoot this robot with a shotgun and it gets back up and you're like, yeah, that checks out.
1: Yeah, yeah, like the nightclub scene where there's innocent people that are just out having like a roaring 80s good time, which is, you know... Smoking a durry on the dance floor with Fuck yeah, bring with, that back. with a glowing cocktail <laughs> You know, like and they're just there just having fun. Sarah Connor's just kinda of trying to have fun. She's gone out by herself because her housemate is like at home with her boyfriend having a night in. And um yeah, like suddenly like terrible violence breaks out and people are getting shot in the head, shot in the back. There's blood. Like Innocent people with nothing to do with anything are being mowed down in droves and there's a person there trying to stop the perpetrator who cannot be stopped with six rounds from a shotgun up close. No. <laughs> that, that's awful. It's <laughs> like, horrifying. Yeah, and it's it's to me it changed everything. It did not care that it was... And it did not care that it did not toe the line between... Family-oriented action that was so very popular at the time, and clearly very popular from a, a, a production studio and and producer perspective, because Ghostbusters made a shit ton of money, Gremlins made a shit ton of money, Neverending Story made a shit ton of money. I don't. I haven't looked at the box office for Karate Kid, but I'm sure that was extremely, made enough to
0: warrant sequels.
1: Like about a million of them that didn't necessarily have any of the original cast. The yeah. awesome
0: YouTube show. Eh? Yeah.
1: Oh, I love that show. Yeah. Come, go, go, go. Um and yeah, so they and it's like I don't know how it got through, to be honest, that, that in that particular time period, but I'm I'm sure glad it did because it is it, it is the biggest fuck you to everything that was happening in that industry. Because it was but, good. That's oh, how it got yeah.
0: through.
1: It was amazing.
0: And it was made on a budget, clearly. Yeah. Um, And if I'm remembering my history correctly, James Cameron was fairly green at the time. I'm pretty sure he'd only been assistant director on Piranha 2. Oh,
1: yeah, the Piranha-ning. I think he'd
0: been (laughs) fired. And uh, he wrote this script because the idea came from a fever dream, like literally he was sick as a dog and had this dream that there was this robotic skull with red eyes coming through fire at him because he was burning up. Right. Obviously, that's part of the iconic intro of Terminator 2. And it, oh, it's, I'm getting shivers thinking about it. It's such an amazing end to that opening sequence where you just see yeah, yeah. burning stuff. And it's just like this, it's almost like it's smiling at you, but it doesn't have lips, so it can't be smiling. But it's just evil, even though it's a robot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm glad that he incorporated that somehow but anyways that was the idea and it it like haunted him it scared the shit out of him and he turned that into the Terminator and went to sell it and kind of like a similar story to Stallone with Rocky mm-hmm. studios were like yeah man this is good we're gonna buy it um thanks and we're gonna put someone else in, a, in the director's seat he's like nah I wanna you know I wanna direct and they're like who are you yeah you're a great writer we don't think We don't like, what have you done? You've done assistant director on Piranha 2, bro. Like, come on, we're not gonna put you in charge of something that might be amazing. Mm. And I believe he sold them the movie rights for a dollar. That's how he got around it. He said, I will sell you the rights for whatever it is, 20 or 25 years, which is why he's involved in the sequel that's coming out.
1: That's expired now. Yeah, because the
0: copyright expired. But he said, I will sell you the rights for a dollar. As long as I get to direct and mm-hmm. I'll make my money off the the back end or minimum, whatever the rates were at the time. And they signed off on it purely yeah. just so they're like, well, what have we got to lose? Like, we think it's good. We get to save a whole bunch of money instead of having to shop it around. And uh, that's, yeah, that's how it got made, which I think is cool.
1: It's awesome. It's, and it's a great story of triumph for that for that kind of thing as well. so And for a good idea, yeah.
0: having the right person at the helm, even though I think having rewatched it recently, obviously we re- rewatched it recently, you can see that it, it's his first. You know, like it's he's quite green.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I watched it a lot as a kid, so it's very difficult to see flaws in that sort of stuff as a kid because you just go to school the next morning and say, Oh, I watched a show and Arnie like had all these guns and he just shot people in the head. It was awesome um, because I was one of very few kids that were watching that kind of stuff. That yeah, you were the cool kids. I was, like, the, I was the cool we kid. We always yeah. like
0: just listen to someone beat by beat tell you about this amazing movie that you weren't allowed to watch. Yeah, yeah. For whatever reason, you know, lots of kids weren't allowed to watch these movies for whatever reason and someone would just tell you the entire plot of a movie and you're like, oh my God, that sounds amazing. Like I still want to see it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, how times change.
0: Oh, how times change.
1: Um, but, yeah, and I thought that, again, like we've talked about, this is one of the most phenomenal character arcs for a character ever, I Sarah believe, Connor. in Sarah Connor. Yeah. So she's the, you know, struggling diner waitress turned lethal killer and you know, completely independent fighter fighting for humanity. But you're talking and, about and a T2
0: arc now, right?
1: Oh, yeah, but that's what I'm just saying. Like it bridges across oh, yeah, both yeah, yeah. and it's like she goes from from one thing to just leaning right into her duty as the, the mother of the saviour of humanity but making sure he gets there by fully believing in, in the dystopic future that has been shown to her by, you know, Kyle Reese, who she's unfortunately, you know, I, I mean, I, I believe they, uh, I mean, they explain their relationship with Kyle saying, like, I love you, Sarah, because he's he's lived in the future with only a photo of her and has grown to love her based on an idea. And she only gets one night with him. But she, I think we can safely say it's, you know, probably 48 hours or something. Yeah. That they know each other, um, so but you know they uh, they have a a love of sorts there that obviously results in John Connor being born and it's Romeo and Juliet
0: very much Romeo and yeah, Juliet yeah. kind of
1: love <laughs> yeah yeah and um, it's <laughs> that kind of the uh, injecting the the romance stuff into this film is where it it gets really sort of cheesy for me like some of the lines around those scenes are a bit cringeworthy. Um, but that's always been um, Cameron's, Cameron's not
0: very strong at that. No, no. I didn't love it in Titanic. Um, certainly didn't like it in Terminator. And Avatar was also just kind of like cliche lines and setups. Yeah. It's not his strongest point. And no. you think about like Terminator 2 or Aliens where nobody's really falling in love with anybody and it's just like it's strong. Yeah. The whole way through for not having that. Mm-hmm. Even though I guess in Aliens you could kind of argue that Ripley's getting close to Hicks. Um, there's not really any, like, I'm not sitting there going, just kiss at the end because they've been through shit together. Mm-hmm. They're, like, not thinking about that and why would they be and why would the audience be thinking about that?
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's, um, yeah, it's a little jarring I find at times, but I just love the way that this is unapologetic in its portrayal of, of dystopia, of violence, of a, a really huge unsolvable problem that has to be solved with a technology gap. It has to be solved with a an emotion, an empathy gap. Because it's really easy to like just stop I mean, I guess it'd be much easier to just stop something if you didn't give a shit about blowing up a 100 civilians or killing a whole bunch of other people in the process because the Terminator doesn't care about any of that stuff. He doesn't care if he blows up a fuel tanker in front of an orphanage to to
0: kill you. He has (laughs) permission mission to kill a particular person and stops at nothing or no one to achieve that, as we see in the scene in the the cop shop.
1: Yeah. He kills them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... There's also the the unsung hero of all '80s films, which is the the garbage collector, oh, whose geez. whose whose truck is rendered um, switched off as a result of the electrical pulses of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger landing on, you know, in the in the in the past. And what is his line? What the hell? It's amazing. I love it. I'm gonna. Uh, okay, let's hear it now. What the hell? See, isn't that great?
0: That's technology. They didn't have that in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> they did.
1: <laughs> yeah, they did, yeah. Um, a lot harder, though. No audacity back then. Sucker! Yeah, but we're a good, like, you know, what, almost 35 years away from that, and we're still quoting. What the hell? So, yeah, he's a great character.
0: Which is better than you can say about most of the extras with lines. Oh, the- some of the extras with outlines in that movie. We were watching the, the club scene that Katie was talking about earlier, and I noticed this clown in the background, this clown extra. <laughs> like it's like he's late to set because he doesn't just enter the club coolly like he's he just paid his cover fee and he's coming in. He runs over to the side like he's supposed to be a security guard or his job was to lean up against the wall as Arnie's doing this hardcore, slow-mo, fucking intimidating scanning of the environment or whatever. Maybe it was Kyle. But you just see him over the shoulder and as soon as you notice it, you're just like, why didn't they reshoot this? Or who hired that dipshit? Like he had one job yeah. to stand against a wall. <laughs> and yeah. he's coming to the shot late and it's it's distracting.
1: The, the extras... Really, the dialogue let it down. the dialogue is terrible. they've got but, one line, and they just butcher but the, it, but they're all like I don't know, friends of someone I don't know they 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 deliver lines like they've never worked on anything yeah. before, they're probably
0: crew, I mean again, maybe this is the budget cutting, yeah, know, yeah, anyway. yeah,
1: yeah, and and that that can really take away from some scenes, but I think in terms of premise and. Delivery of the bits that matter—it really knocks it out of the park. Um, and what was hilarious when I was looking back at some of the old reviews was that there was a, a someone who actually didn't like the film and said that it was a stupid idea. I—I uh, I I forget who it was, and you know
0: Ridley Scott—they're
1: probably dead now, so whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> um, said that it was a triumph of technology—that stop motion. Graphics scene at the end with the the Terminator. Oh my god! Like uh, endoskeleton. are well, we your
0: favourite? With the tracking through where he's
1: cutting into his eye. Oh, with the, that's... Ma- the
0: store mannequin.
1: <laughs> and I pointed that out before it happened because I, even as a kid, I remember that being like, "Man, that looks so fake. It looks so stupid." There's um. They really fix this, by the way. The, the The special effects in Terminator Two are incredible, incredible <laughs> compared to this. But there are several scenes where there's this a clearly rubberized mannequin head of Arnold Schwarzenegger. And a torso? Because I it, saw this behind the scenes, and, a, and it looks like one of those like torsos that you use in like a a karate studio. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's just got like. Arnold Schwarzenegger's head and like a, a very clear and obvious wig that's even lopsided that's been stuck on the head of this thing. And that's what they use when he's like putting a scalpel up to his eye to cut out the uh, organic flesh sort of eyeball part to, and then ex- therefore exposing the the red glowing eye. Which on paper... Cool as shit. That is cool. As Scary. Fuck. What a shot. Yeah, but um, the
0: execution leaves a lot to be desired.
1: It does. I mean, the execution is bad, and I think it would have been bad then and now. Like the the way that that was shot, I think there could have been a a cleverer way to do that, even on a budget. Um, but like we were talking about doing like a two like the two mirror trick and and things like that, where um they could have faked him actually using a a scalpel on himself. I mean, in, um, Un Chien Andalou, which is the, the Salvador Dali film, uh, there's a, there's a a scene there where, uh, there's a, the, the one shot, it's very famous, but there's like one shot of a woman who's having her eye forced open and then the husband's got a scalpel. And then in the next scene, you see the scalpel running over the eye um, and if you look at that close enough and you slow it down, it's really obvious that it's not an eyeball. It's actually a grape. Right. Um, but it, but it's, it, it flashes so quickly that you absolutely believe that's an eyeball. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's, there's kind of things that, you know, and there's, uh, Tarkovsky's a, a great director that, you know, all of his films are like, have really long, complicated names. I can't remember of them, any of them now, but we studied him in film school um, and he's been on a budget many, many times. But there's a a scene where uh, two guys have set a bomb, and they're getting away in a truck. Uh, now, so you're expecting that you know, and it was an action film. You're expecting that uh, if a bomb's about to go off, that there's going to be this huge explosion. You're going to see buildings collapsing, or cars blowing up, or something like that. Um, and you know, you don't. A lot of these directors didn't have the budget, especially in the early days, to do anything of the sort. Um, so the way that you understand that a huge explosion has happened is because the two guys are driving, driving off in the truck. The passenger is rolling a cigarette, and as he's rolling it, the tobacco blows off the paper. Oh. And that's how you know that there's been this enormous explosion, and then they just look at each other, and they know that it's gone off. That's cool. That's awesome. Like, so there are, like, you know, there are, t- like, it's easier said than done at the time, obviously. And you want to, you've got this futuristic, awesome idea. It hasn't that, been done before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An idea that's completely new. You're really trying to push the boundaries of technology because you're, you're, you're everything is set in, this is such a futuristic concept. Well, you're the, trying to sell the idea you, of, of the future, so you wanna yeah. you want to push the boundaries of the technology that you have, so it's going to be woefully inadequate to do something like the tobacco you know blowing off the paper or whatever but um or the grape eye thing yeah you know um so they they you know they it feels unfair to kind of pull that apart, but it looks really really bad
0: yeah, and the stop motion.
1: The stop motion animation is awful. But it's
0: unnecessary as well. Yeah. Because the bits where they do the close-ups of either its, its foot or its legs with the limp, which is awesome, an awesome callback to when Arnie is damaged at some point and is limping, um, but also just shots of the chest or the skull, and they frame it in such a way that we get it. We get that they're using a thing on a stick, yeah. And they're pushing it in front of a camera or they're doing something like but whenever they cut away from the real prop which looks fucking amazing, designed yeah, yeah. by Stan Winston, you know, guy who's designed countless things including the Predator, which looks amazing. Uh it looks great and then they cut to this weird like stop motion thing that I can only say sorry, young James Cameron was just a poor directorial choice. Like mm-hmm. you didn't need to have that to convey that the Terminator was still alive or in the fight, yeah, capable of stalking, killing still. Uh, you could have set that up with the now you see it, now you don't. Now, I use that phrase specifically because that's exactly what Steven Spielberg did in Jurassic Park, and he was incredibly insecure about it. If you think about the Dilophosaurus scene where it kills Nedry, who's not called Nedry in that, he's called, I can't remember, Oh no, he's called Nedry. I was gonna say Newman. Yeah. Uh Newman from Seinfeld for Seinfeld fans, but his name is uh Nedry in uh Jurassic Park. He's the hacker guy, the fat hacker guy with the glasses. He meets an unfortunate end with a you know, a, a dinosaur with a frill like a frill neck lizard that shoots spit. Now, if you go back and watch that, having watched the behind the scenes thing or listened to this, uh Spielberg says, we didn't want to do any CG there. So what we did was we kind of cheated and we only showed little bits of it. We showed it standing still. So it was like, you know, those cat videos that you see where the person moves the camera into the hallway and the cat's still. And they move the the camera up against the wall and then back into the hallway. The cat is closer, but still. So they did that idea of like, not actually showing a whole lot of movement. You get to see its legs moving at one stage. But even that's like not CG and he was really worried that it wasn't going to work but I think it's really effective and it's this idea of being in a position where you have to come up with a creative solution and I mean he's the king of it Spielberg because Jaws that shark that they called Bruce is, was a, like a robotic shark that was, <laughs> he was over promised on from his special effects guys and under delivered. It was supposed to be waterproof. It wasn't. That's why it kept breaking down. The only, I would argue that the main reason why Jaws is so amazing is that you do not get to see it until the point that you get to see it. You get yeah. to see its fin, you get to see the blood, you can maybe get to see a flash of teeth or something that has become standard way to introduce Monster Mm -hmm. and it's only because the thing broke down and he had to come up with a creative solution. So creative solutions, even on big budget things, equal probably great results. Yeah, yeah. And never underestimate the audience's imagination. Like, I don't think you'd meet anyone apart from people who worked on Jurassic Park who watched that Dilophosaurus scene going... Why don't we get to see it moving? Like, this no. is garbage. Nobody's thinking that because it's tense. He's being stalked. You want to yeah. see him die, but you're like, I don't want to see it be gory. Like, this looks like it's going to be horrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's effective. But, yeah, the, the stop motion stuff, and it's only, you know, probably equates to, what, 10 seconds, maybe 20 seconds maximum of of screen time. Mm-hmm. And then they b- abandon it completely once it gets inside, once the Terminator gets inside that final set piece with the machines, yeah. uh, around the machinery, which is a cool, obviously, uh, symbolic place to end a fight against a, a robot is with machines and turning on the machines to distract the machines from the machine. Uh, <laughs> it's very machine, cool. Machine, machine, machine. Yeah, it's very cool, but they, they completely ditched the stop motion thing and, and it's better for it. Yeah, yeah. She's being stalked. They are being stalked. It is terrifying.
1: Yeah, and, and it really takes you away from that when you're sort of seeing this very obvious, cartoony, like you you can really tell that it's a, like superimposed sort of photographs that have been made into a stop-motion animation and it doesn't hold up, unfortunately. That's Um, why the
0: classics always will, the Diehards, the Predators, the Alien, because it was all practical. That's why 10, 20, 100 years from now you can watch those movies and you can appreciate them for what they are, even though then... You know, CG might be lifelike. Yeah. I'm uh, sure it won't be cheap, but it might be lifelike. It doesn't matter because they insisted on practical and not using stop-motion weirdness, mm. which is a special effect, um, instead of like a prop or whatever.
1: Yeah. See, it, it's funny because if you look at um, uh, The Wizard of Oz, which came out in the 30s. Now, if you, if we, if you watch that back on I would like to do an episode on it, but I don't know that there's anything I'd change. That's uh, what I mean. Yeah, right? which we could, we could maybe talk about. We can about always it. rewatch it yeah. and then talk about it, but probably we can't
0: dedicate a Here's My Movie.
1: Not really, to no. Because it. no. I mean, it's that's such a beautiful film. Um, I I think if you don't like at least a little part of Wizard of Oz, you don't have a heart. Uh, <laughs> perhaps. Which one doesn't have a heart? The Lion. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, he doesn't have courage. The Tin Man doesn't have a heart. Oh, I'll see, there you go. The Scarecrow doesn't have a brain. Yeah. Um but it was it's funny because they had access to like that was like the blockbuster of its time. And yeah. you know, Judy Garland was the Scarlett Johansson or whatever. But what an adaptation as well, right? Yeah, yeah. And um it's it's such a spectacle from you know, go to woe with everything you know, and they had they had quite a massive budget for the time, like pretty Friggin' MGM just threw everything they had at it. I think, Um, but there was several times where they used like there was a a, the scene follow the yellow brick road for that for that whole song, the yellow brick road. What does it look like? It looks like a yellow brick road, a road made of yellow bricks, Um, (laughs) and that may seem really insignificant, but it's probably not when there's a whole fucking song dedicated to following the yellow brick road. Um,
0: and they have to be moving on the yellow brick road. They have to be room. Re- They're not mo- standing on the yellow brick road.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so they were using at the time um, like lens filters and gels and things like that to uh, to make the road look yellow. Right. Um, and, but, you know, and back then they were doing a lot of practical effects and things like that. But when you see the the wizard revealed and things like that where he's – you know, an image on a screen sort of thing. Like all of that stuff would have been really, really, really difficult to do. And they've thrown every they've thrown the kitchen sink at it in terms of technology for those scenes, which would be really easy now. Um But for the for the yellow brick road, it didn't quite look good. Like it didn't quite look how the director wanted it at the time. And he kept saying the road's just not right. Like it's not yellow enough. And they're like, well there's there's nothing we can do. Like we're using all this amazing lens technology. We've, it's as yellow as it can be. Yeah, it's as yellow as it can be. Like, we've got state-of-the-art lighting. We're doing all of this. And then someone, just some person that works part of the crew, just went, well, we could always paint it yellow. And I went, aha! <laughs> Are
0: you serious? Yeah. They hadn't done, like... <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, my God. So, I mean, they get caught up on using all the latest technology and stuff like that, but really the 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 resolution for that was to just paint it yellow, That's and it actually it delayed production for a couple of days while they did it.
0: I had to wait for the paint to dry.
1: They had to wait for the paint to dry, and it wasn't quite dry, so there were a couple of pairs of the uh, sequined... Judy Garland slippers yes. that were actually covered in yellow paint oh, wow. and, like, the, the feet of the lion costume <laughs> and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's funny. It's, it's quite a cute story, I think. Yeah, but then, I mean, like, on the
0: other end of the scale, you have, I can't remember his name, apologies, I'm sure you're a friend of the podcast, the guy who did the original special effects on The Thing. Yeah, yeah. And he was, like, a young buck, maverick, nobody as far as special effects were concerned, overpromised and then delivered. Yeah, yeah. And, like, some of those special effects are, you know, they're kind of shitty and they don't work, but there are other ones. Holy shit, the bit with the, um... What are the things the the on the chest when they go to revive you? A defibrillator. A defibrillator. On the chest that turns into a gaping maw with teeth and bites off arms. Holy shit. Wow. What that dude achieved with special effects on a small-budget, single location horror story that is one of the best, if not the best, probably not for you, Alien, right? (sighs) There's nothing wrong with that. I'm I'm not saying I'm not dissing you, but yeah. No,
1: look, but there's a weird in Alien as well, um, the close-up of the bishop head. That looks really fake and awful. Oh, it's not
0: Bishop. It's whatever the... Yeah. Oh, it's not Bi- the, sorry. No, it's not Bishop. It's... Whatever the silica, the silic replicant, whatever they're called. They're not called replicants. No, no. We're the, getting all of the, our sci-fi mixed up.
1: Yeah, yeah. The, the robot. The robot. The, yeah, because yeah, it's obviously synthetic just, human. It's
0: obviously just his head coming through a hole in the floor. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, that looks really, <laughs> really bad. But compare
0: that to the, the chest buster scene.
1: Yeah, like, they've, they've clearly... They've where managed- the cast
0: didn't know, apparently yeah yeah oh and but that looks that looks amazing, so totally. it's always weird, yeah, weird is the point that we're getting to with Terminator is the inconsistencies, some stuff like the actual design of the Terminator itself and that model or whatever they've got walking through the set is incredible, utterly incredible, totally, and they do similar things in Terminator two,
1: yeah, yeah, they do, and they do it, they do it so well um but to that point, I think one of the fundamental things I've changed or I would change about the film, which may be, you know, and, and tell me if it is, like, it may be unfair because it, the reason I would change it is because of elements of Terminator 2. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so one of the the things that I think if I'm looking at, you know, here's my movie the thing that i guess is jarring for me but it probably works out for its time in history and for the time for you know arnold schwarzenegger as an actor and all of that kind of thing as we've we've talked about we talked about at the time as we were watching it about how perfect he is for that role but we have to remember that that is in the context of him catching a world of shit about being a terrible wooden actor for <laughs> other things that he appeared in and uh, obviously english would have been his second language and yeah. he's not an american or like at the time like, i think he's a naturalized american citizen now if his uh political career is anything to go well, by he'd have to be yeah exactly <laughs> um so and that's not a criticism of you know of that or immigration or anything it's <laughs> the fact that he was pretty new to america and then diving straight into hollywood off the back of a being an incredibly handsome Mr. Olympia, bodybuilding, top of the world champion. Yeah. Um, And, you know, acting wasn't kind of his strong suit, but he made it his own, I think, and there is no one quite like him. And he definitely, like, he's become absolutely beloved, and I don't think he's that bad at it. I mean, if you look at uh, at films that came later, he's... He's learnt a lot over the years, and he's become quite formidable, in my opinion. Yeah, some emotional beats in Terminator Two, especially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely nails. But see, and this is this is where because uh, he got paid some incredible amount of money per word in ter- in the Terminator because he said so little.
0: But if you break it down to a per word rate, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. It yeah. wasn't actually like here's here's my word rate. No, 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 James no, Cameron. no. James
1: No, no, it's just like he got a fee and it worked out to be like tens of thousands of dollars per word because his script, like his actual spoken words in the script were very, very few. Um, And and I guess to me that's at odds with what's been established in, in Terminator 2, and I think it works still, but if I had to nitpick and change something it would be that As a villain and as a more believable human being, he probably needs to say and do more that's a bit more human rather than just being a vehicle with weapons that can read a phone book and track down the Sarah Connors and eliminate them. Um, There's really nothing sort of apart from being like a, a, a dude that you would walk past in the street if he's just walking along and not doing anything strange. I mean he he definitely passes as a human being in that sense but um there there is nothing there is none of the characterization that we see for the terminator that we get in in terminator 2 and I mean even though he's gone from bad to good in terminator 2 there is still I think perhaps more could be done in the first one to establish him as more emotionally menacing perhaps which well, would add a dimension of fear.
0: That's like, for me, that's part of the beats of the movie, right? Is, yeah, is the yeah. idea that Skynet is trying to either kill or capture the last remnants of humanity and they've tried to do that by infiltrating with rubber-skinned models that Kyle Reese talks about that are very easy to spot because they look super fake. But their next models, which is the one that Arnie's part of were infiltrators with organic skin. So Skynet can create something that looks human, but it can't create something that acts superhuman. And that's why hmm. it becomes, a like, for me, and I'm doing what you mentioned as well, which is the idea of bringing the sequel into it just on this point.
1: Which yeah, is like, I mean, that, I'm working hard to find something that...
0: But it becomes his yeah. arc in Terminator 2 which is like an awesome simultaneous character arc for uh, John Connor, which is to go, you won't pass as human dipshit. Like you need to learn some quirks. And he, especially in the director's cut, there's this amazing scene. Oh, it's, it's hilarious where he tries to teach Arnie how to smile Mm -hmm. and he's like, what's a smile, you know, and he's like points at someone and this dude's on the phone, but he's like making all these mouth movements. So Arnie replicates that thinking it's a smile. Like, so yeah, he's, yeah. he's this fish out of water, an alien for all intents and purposes, who doesn't actually know how to be human. His job is to look human and know how to kill humans. Mm-hmm. So the humanising part comes from John Connor, which I really appreciate about yeah, the second no, one. You know, the dad you've you've, is you've the hit father the nail figure. on the head
1: there. I think that's true, yeah.
0: But like, that's just like from my perspective of they, the very robotic logic of to kill humans we only need to make something that looks human. Yeah, yeah. And meeting that bare essential requirement of the the universe rule that they set up that they can only send back uh, organic material. Yeah. Which in and of itself is this cool, like, backstory idea that Skynet has invented a technology and its biggest limitation of the technology is that they can't send their own back, that they have to send something at least partially human back being covered in organic matter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's created that as like a... As an explanation for, like, again, why didn't they just send back that that you know the giant robotic thing? Or why
1: the, didn't they the, the huge, terrifying, bone-crushing, building-sized robot? Yeah, if they I just made, cover I that the, in skin and hair. They yeah, could I made technically that point while, while we were watching back. it. But like, yeah. I guess
0: you know, outside of trying to spot a plot hole, it doesn't make much sense because that thing appears in 1984, and there's still tanks. There's still mm-hmm. you know jets. They're going to see that as hostile no matter what way you cut it, and they're going to kill it. So the idea of sending an infiltrator
1: back... Makes a lot more sense. And
0: Sarah's not looking for it either. Like you said, you will look at Arnie... And you might even recognise that this guy's walking like he's got a stick up his
1: ass or something like something yeah, is or, off or about he, him, Or he's not, not necessarily approachable or nice. But
0: you're not thinking, there, hang on, he's not a human.
1: No, there are plenty of people that are that appear not approachable yeah. and not nice that you walk past in the street. But that would be that would be your
0: only <laughs> your only change. So I don't want to. I'm not poo pooing it. I'm just saying like this is my understanding of it in the context of there being a sequel, which is why the whole here my here's my movie thing becomes. Interesting, because if you chose to say i don't want I want to pretend there are no sequels here's how I would do it, then that's perfectly valid mm-hmm. but also if you're like, well, taking into account what happens in whatever sequel, I want to bring that back here
1: yeah i guess the the issue with this is that it's a it's a hugely established and well known franchise, so for me that makes it impossible to ignore
0: and to separate
1: the, and to separate the things that have come <laughs> after it so the, answer me the- this how
0: many uh Garbo's chewing cigars saying, what the hell out of five would you give the Terminator in its current form? Here's My Movie is brought to you by Rodenta Energy, Krakow's fourth largest provider of rat-generated electricity. As the old saying goes, if your energy ain't all that, better add a rat. Four. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Because I'm on the same page as you. But it, it, I have I have more problems than.
1: Well, yeah, I mean there there are problems. I don't think that. Um, yeah, I mean I, I I do I do have, uh, you've explained them well I think, but I still do have a few. I think you could really do more with the Terminator character in the first one. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't have to be, you know, oh, this robot is suddenly performing. Menacing soliloquies before he's killing somebody. Like, I'm not talking about like ridiculous shit.
0: But you'd make it learn to be more human as part of its infiltration.
1: It has to to fit in. Yeah. It has to. And I think that's what, like, that would make it just so much worse. I mean, imagine like the last thing you hear before you're just mercilessly gunned down, you know, being, uh, you know, some awful line that shows that this thing's on a mission and does not care that you got in the way. You know, I mean, we got we got I'll Be Back, which clearly became a, a, a you know, a quote to remember in in film history for, what, four decades now or almost.
0: But only in the context of what he does next. Yeah. Otherwise it's a fairly innocuous line. Like as yeah, far as that yeah, yeah, disinterested... Yeah. Cop is concerned.
1: Who tells far too much information? By the way, idiot. what an idiot! Like he yeah. he's a, deserves to have been in Prometheus. But maybe that's that.
0: Maybe that was why James Cameron directed it that way. It's like I want to get to this point. Yeah. So let's make this guy seem like the most disinterested cop who's genuinely bad at his job. Yeah, because yeah. Because yeah. he's giving up crucial information about a witness who is being killed by what they assume to be a copycat yeah. killer. Well, not a copycat killer, sorry. A serial killer who is killing Sarah Connors.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, okay, so, so uh, all right, so they know that this guy's on the loose. Um, we get to see in this film, which, again, adds that horrifying, definitely not for children, definitely not for families element to it, is they show crime scene photos of one of the poor sap Sarah, Sa- Connors. Sarah Connors that have been horribly gunned down at their front door. Um, so we see a body lying in a pool of blood in those photos. Like someone's been execute executed. Um, you know, so there's a, there's a serial killer. He's killing Sarah Connors. That's, that's really awful and really horrible. They clearly want to protect the other publicly known Sarah Connors that he's targeting from a public record. So that's why they're trying to desperately get in touch with all, uh, with, she's the last one. She's the last one. So they're desperately trying to get in contact with her while she's out partying to get her to a safe place um but he's already found where she lives in terms of what what information is publicly available because he turns up at the house and slaughters her housemate and her boy and the housemate's boyfriend um which is awful like that's a horribly traumatic thing to happen it's like the the guy was after you and killed everyone you lived with and he got in his way you got that got in his way that's the only
0: thing you did wrong
1: that's the only thing you did wrong is that you just didn't happen to be home and that that's a that's a terrifying concept and the survivor's guilt that she would have is yeah because he was coming to kill her is enormous yeah and they kind of touch on that and don't really have time to explore it further and i don't care if they do or not really i mean (laughs) there's far more pressing things than dwelling hunted than dwelling on (laughs) her survivor's guilt yeah but um but Yeah, uh, there's, you know, there's clearly this this issue, but for me, like, when he turns up at the police station and she's there and this stupid bastard at the fucking front desk. (laughs) You hate him. uh, They're literally, like, there's a serial killer hunting people with the name Sarah Connor. You've got one of those people out the back, an unknown fucking huge monster of a man comes in asking for that person and says they're her friend what, would, what do you think the first thing a serial killer would try and establish themselves well, as? On the
0: topic of your <laughs> tweaks, like that there is a very easy tweak that established that he has, like the Arnie has this different view of the world mm-hmm. a very you know, robotic view of the world, that yeah. he has sensors and things available that other people don't have. You have this guy the cop be good at his job the very basic part which is to protect the innocent and he doesn't give anything away but then you cut to arnie's pov and you see him scanning heart rate sweat palpitation i don't know any of those indicators that you're lying and there's a percentage chance that comes up that sarah connor's there's like 80 percent or something yeah yeah yeah. and then he just slaughters everyone like so uh-huh. you can still have the same plot advancement but you can have it so that the Terminator, even when faced with not just a, a you know a cop shop full of cops, you have a guy who's there doing his job, mm-hmm. and he basically tells this guy to get lost by lying, saying no, she's not here, we don't give out that information, or she's at another somewhere else, a secure facility, whatever lie he wants to tell, and we get the Terminator seeing through that, and you're like, oh shit, like it yeah. adds to this relentless, unstoppable. How do we kill this thing?
1: Well, yeah, and that—that and that was kind of what I was getting at because it's—it's. It's, I don't think you need to act like to add that much extra movie. Like it may only be one extra scene. It would have been the same length. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like basically, it may, it, of their discussion. Yeah, yeah. well, so, there's something like that, and maybe earlier on, a brief di- dialogue exchange, um, like, I don't know. Let's just say the the nightclub scene, for example. Um, and he's, he knows that he's, he's, he's deduced from the, um, answering machine message that she's left for the people that she's already killed, the people he's already killed. He's realized I didn't actually eliminate Sarah Connor when I've mowed down everybody in this house. Here's her on the message. Here's where she is. And then goes there to finish the job. So, okay, let's say he got there, and we're already getting that sort of relentless killer vibe at that point, and that's like the first act of the film. Um, But you, you know, let's say you just add just a very simple scene, like he walks through, a bouncer sees that he's just this, like someone that shouldn't be there tries to kick him out gets like maybe shot or you know they burst through a wall or something and end up in another room and then he pulls out his laser sighted automatic pistol and the, the just before death maybe that bouncer says why are you doing this and he says something like you got in my way like it 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 adds that dehumanized element to him, while still filling out the character and their motivations a little bit more. Because at the end of the day, he's still a robot. Yeah, but but he's trying to infiltrate. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. He's
0: trying to fit in.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it, it, it's things like that. That I mean, because w- at at the at this point, well, not even at that point, but later when Sarah Connor is essentially rescued by Kyle Reese with the "Come with me if you want to live." Line, um the like he he tells us that it's not gonna stop ever until she's dead. And you see that it it, it fights with every last bit of power that it has. Like it will drag itself with one arm yeah. to try and kill her. It'll try and get her with one finger <laughs> that it's got working at one point, you know. Um It
0: is the Black Knight out of Monty Python with all of its arms and legs cut off going
1: it's just a flesh wound. Yeah. Come at me, <laughs> <I'll> bite you. <laughs> um, but
0: in a very scary way,
1: in an not in s- a hilarious way. No. Um, so yeah, like, but I think that I kind of wanted to hear it from the Terminator. Like, I can see by its actions that it's unrelenting. But you want him to say it? Well, I don't want him to like. I don't want it to be expositional. Like, why are you doing this? I am unrelenting in my pursuit to kill Sarah Connor. Like I don't mean like that, but just small lines that establish the menace that is taking place and and allows you to feel the utter terror and that is striking people in the heart right before they die. Or it could be something creepier
0: to call back to when he steals the clothes off those punks. Yeah. When he's asked a question because he has very limited information and he's kind of like a sponge trying to learn lines.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. you get to
0: see him later go through the multiple choice questions when the guy wants to come in and... It smells like,
1: well, you got a dead cat in there. Fuck off. Fuck you, asshole. Fuck you, asshole. asshole. But,
0: like, we've had Bill Paxton say, wash day, no clothes. Like, you could have that scene you said, and then he's like, why are you doing this? He's like, wash day, no clothes. Like, just something mimicry.
1: Well, that, and, and see that would be interesting if it was someone like a bouncer or whatever, because he could potentially get dressed in their clothes. <laughs> well, I mean, that's yeah. If he's, if he's trying, <laughs> and then to and then become like a figure of authority that no one's going to look twice at, but then he just opens fire. So he becomes a bit more like hitman. If anyone's familiar with the game, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, to... maybe that's a stupid idea, but yeah. No, no, I'm, not, no, I'm no. not.
0: I'm not dissing. I'm just saying the idea that like no, he is an infiltrator. Like that makes sense. Like if he is an infiltrator, and I'm not. I mean, I'm sure we'll get corrected by the Super Terminator nerds, but I'm not sure if his model is drastically different between T1 and T2, but, like, he describes in T2 uh, that it's a learning machine, that the the Terminator is a learning machine. So, yeah, I absolutely agree. It would be great to see more of that idea of him learning and adapting.
1: Yeah, and I think that, I mean, look, this is just me thinking about it with the lens of, 30 years progress in cinema. I think it's 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 a great film for what it is and I'd be happy to not change it. But if I if I wanted to if it was my movie I would try and add a bit more depth to the fear by rounding him out a little bit more even if that is just him learning as he goes but still being so utterly remote. And robotic as to, like, imagine the, the chills of the people that just see this person just robotically killing in the pursuit of one person, and they don't care who gets in their way, they don't care if they have to grenade a building full of people, they just don't give a fuck.
0: So you want to see more of that? Yeah. The The less of the shooting his way through stuff and more of just, like, driving a tank through a wall and... Of a school because he heard that Sarah Connor was going to be there type thing.
1: It would certainly up the stakes,
0: which also would mean that she would feel a sense of, "Do I just let this guy kill me?" Yeah, because there are innocent people dying.
1: Yeah, and and um, she she, I I guess to that point, she does believe Kyle Reese quite quickly.
0: Yeah, that was one of my notes. It it is. But they kind of balance that out with the cops, right? They do,
1: they like the, do. She's
0: like, he's told me this and I saw him take five shotgun shells to the chest and they're like, Kevlar armor, he's probably on PVC if he punched through a window. Yeah, yeah. So they're creating that doubt for her. But we know at that stage, as yeah. the audience, we know that that's bullshit. Yeah. So I think that's where it becomes problematic. Like mm. if they'd actually just, and it was one of my notes, if that actually played more... Like, let's have less of that opening text and let's have less of the exposition from Kyle Reese. Mm. Um, Let's deal with this idea of there is a Sarah Connor killer. So let's drop Mm -hmm. the story at the start. Let's not have any of the people appearing nude or anything like that. Let's have there is a killer out there Mm -hmm. and he's killing Sarah Connors and two Sarah Connors are already dead. Maybe throw in some... I mean, it's an hour, 40-minute film. I'm always thinking two hours is kind of the sweet spots. So we've got an extra 20 minutes to play with. Mm-hmm. Why not have some Hitchcock-type misdirection where we start following the life of one or maybe two of these other Sarah Connors and then suddenly they're dead? It's like, yeah. oh, okay, shit, I thought she was the protagonist. And if if you got the budget, hire someone who you'd put their name in big lights on the on the poster, you know? Like, let's get Sigourney Weaver or someone. Like, like let's get someone big so that it's like, oh, she's the hero who the fuck is Linda Hamilton and these other two die, whoa, let's also, at the same time, and they kind of do it to a point. Like, it's almost like James Cameron was flirting with the idea, but he didn't do it. Terminator, apart from, like, the little punk chevrons or whatever they're called, like, the shoulder paddy things he has, he's wearing a coat that's very similar to Kyle Reese. So there could be, like, a description that goes out of a guy in a... a white guy of a certain height in a... Trench coat mm-hmm. of a certain color is the killer. They're both wearing the same thing. So when you have that scene where Sarah Connor's out, she's seen the thing. You know the the police report. Yeah, She's called the cops and she said, "There's this guy following me." We at that stage we know that Kyle Reese is not the bad guy because we've seen the Terminator mm-hmm. buy a gun, kill the guy, and then kill a Sarah Connor. So we don't get to see any of that. Maybe we get to see the sh- the kind of criticism that we had earlier about like seeing too much of the stop motion Terminator we get to see an arm or some boots or a jacket like we get to see things that are not identifying and we're like so who is the killer here is it Arnie or is it uh Kyle Reese who's doing the killing so her being stalked by Kyle Reese at this stage it's very viable that he might be the one who's actually trying to kill her yeah she goes into a public place He fucking goes in as well. Like, holy shit, she's not safe. Terror, terror, terror. When he goes, I mean, this is me adding another element. Um, Because in my mind, Kyle Reese should be, he's the antithesis of the Terminator, but he's very similar to the Terminator. He has a very single mission, is to ensure the survival of John Connor. That means, in his mind, and this is a guy who survived the robo-apocalypse, right? Mm -hmm. Billions of people died in the blink of an eye. All of these people are already dead in his mind. So he should have no problems pushing people in front of Sarah for them to get shot. He should have no problems shooting through people. Hmm. He should probably be a bad guy. Like, he should be probably a hug. So,
1: So he should m- more toe the line between good and evil. But
0: they're like, they are the same thing, except their missions are in contrast. So yep. they are both willing to kill innocent people... But one just happens to want to kill Sarah Connor and the other wants to save Sarah Connor. Mm -hmm. I think that is really interesting. I mean, it becomes problematic because then you've got to to create a believable reason why Sarah would fall for him. But then you can get into the territory of... um, Oh, what's that syndrome... Stockholm? Yeah. Get into Stockholm Syndrome. Like, love is not a requirement of procreation, right? Mm-hmm. And the fact that they're together for 48 hours and Kyle's been staring at a photo, like, it's it's just weird. Yeah, it is. It's just weird, like, that he even says he loves her. Like, I get that they're running for their lives and they're scared and they fuck. That makes more sense to me <laughs> than I love you and I'm like, does Sarah love... Oh, she says later in Terminator 2 that I loved him for a night or whatever, like...
1: she uh, She it, Look, it's explained... Well enough, I think. But it's kind of just tacky, that whole thing. But, like,
0: she doesn't have to love him,
1: right? Not really. Like, love is not
0: a requirement for there to be a child. But so what you have at the end, and I'm jumping around in my idea here, and I'm actually just ad-libbing this bit for the first time, because remember this is a horror movie, and it's a horror movie that ends on a Quite a happy note, albeit there's a storm coming in the distance. What does that mean? Yeah, yeah. Which is pretty garbage. But let's bring it back to the horror story. Let's have Sarah Connor in a fucking abortion clinic. <laughs> no, but let's have it end there. Like the future of humanity, according to Kyle Reese, if we believe him, which we do because we've by this stage seen a But I'm not changing everything about this movie, is determined by whether she wants to keep the child of a dude that she knew for 48 hours who who's now dead who has been killing innocent people he's mm-hmm. not a good guy and does she want to deal with that she doesn't want to put up with that does she believe that in fate you know yeah that's the point that you ended on I mean Terminator 2 happens exactly the same way and obviously we know the answer to that question and she has decided to keep a kid for her own reasons but I'm like yep. whoa that's some pretty like horrific shit right mm-hmm. I did make did make some other notes it's very simple stuff like the music the music doesn't hold up the music doesn't hold up in the same way that the special effects hold up it's like tacky tinny of it's time shit whereas something of that time or even earlier Star Wars orchestral music always holds up and you have that in Terminator 2 so
1: yeah yeah you do look and I, I I quite like the 70s slash 80s Action movie soundtrack vibe Yeah Uh, We heard that again in films like It Follows um, You know, which is kind of similar To (laughs) The Terminator In terms of an unrelenting force Trying to kill things Uh, And I think it can be done well But this, I guess you're right Like the soundtrack kind of reeks of An afterthought in a lot of places Like it's sort of like, oh let's just mimic Like that sort of something dance sort of popular. Yeah, but also Dan- scary, but yeah. dance? Yeah, yeah. That's that, what it feels like. Yeah, and that's that's not all that effective always. But when always, you get to yeah.
0: 2 and the version of the theme that they have, which is exactly the same note for note, but it's got like an orchestra, it's got a choir, it's fucking epic. Oh, it's and awesome, it's yeah. And it's horrifying as well. It's got this undertone of like making your skin crawl, but also yeah. inspirational because it's about the end of the world. Mm-hmm. So the, the actual notes work and they didn't need to go and rewrite it. They just needed to take those notes and give it to something a bit more timeless. And it didn't even have to be massive. I mean, they've got a couple of notes, uh, beats in there with just piano and stuff like that. It could have been as simple as that. But I think that would have held up more than the, what to me felt like of its time music. Yeah, yeah. It's the 80s, you've got to have a bit of synth in there, you know. Do you, though? Because I don't think that shit holds up.
1: No, not always. Personally, And then I think,
0: similar to you, there's just nitpicking after that, right? Like you mentioned the Sarah buys into it a little too fast. That was one of my points as well. One of the bigger problems that I had in a potential plot hole was the car chase that ends with Arnie smashing into the wall. Yeah. The cops turn up and then Arnie's disappeared. Yeah. But then later on Arnie turns up at the cop shop and kills everyone. Yeah. So So he's also bulletproof... His kill is right there, and he runs away. So what I would have had, just a simple change, and it's been done before, is to make the fucking car go off the edge into some water into a quarry or something, and then you have a quick shot of them going to check the car and the...
1: And then they assume nobody. death.
0: Assume dead, but yeah. then you find out later when it's dragged up or whatever that they didn't find the body. Like, well, you don't even have to do that. We can assume that for ourselves at this stage in cinema history. Yeah, but yeah. just the fact that Arnie runs... ...or disappears made zero sense to me. And I think what they try to establish is that... ...if I'm remembering my chronology correctly... ...it's that he goes back to his hotel room... ...to cut out an eye or whatever to repair... ...but he's still got one working eye... ...and he could just rip that off like... ...this would be more powerful and horrific... ...and buying into this idea of this unstoppable... ...because he takes a breather there. And even though he's limping by the end... ...from damage done in whatever sequence... He was stoppable there mm-hmm. And it just seemed more like There was a better way to do it Like a simple way to do it And uh, the other Oh, John's message from the future Is fucking terrible And it's not human And it doesn't make me want to cheer for John Connor Your son maybe Memorised something And by the way I, oh, Man, I'd like Michael Bean In a lot of things I do not like him in this He's so
1: he is wooden. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And look, he's can look. I'm gonna. This is. I'll catch a lot of shit for this, maybe. But Kyle Reese is kind of a shitty character. Like he's just, if he he. I think that as he is, as he exists in that film, he's. I think that's how he kind of had to be, but I don't like him. Like I'm not like. I don't I, think he had to be like that. Okay. Like
0: think like think about Edward Furlong in Terminator Two. That kid is a, a punk at the beginning, is a jackass punk who mm-hmm. disrespects his mum, who, as the audience, we know that his mum's right, because we've we've experienced her story. So we just think he's a jerk and a jackass. Listen to your mum. But his arc is really good and very closely linked to Arnie's arc, even though he's a robot. Uh but by the end of Terminator Two, I am like I would follow that guy. I can see the seeds being planted for someone who believes in humanity despite the shit that he's been through and despite the shit that he's seen. He's also able to make hard decisions Mm -hmm. and he has a strong moral code for the right thing. Yeah. I don't get that from Kyle Reese. I don't get this guy from the future being like,
1: I've seen it all before. I want to do good. He like, doesn't have
0: to be super hopeful. He's seen some shit. Holy fuck, he's seen some shit. Yeah. But, like, they have these minor little moments of humanizing stuff after they've fucked where they're, like, playful and throwing stuff around and he's smiling and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, Put a little bit more of that in. But, like, I didn't agree with BN's take on on Kyle Reese. It
1: well no but those moments took away from I think what they were trying to establish which is a broken human being who's only known war
0: yeah he doesn't know how to be calm yeah. he doesn't know what to do when he's not making bombs or yeah
1: yeah yeah you know doing um, shit but yeah I, I guess those like he just to me the uh, I, the bits that added layers to him just kind of didn't work and were a bit boring
0: yeah um I also, again, on the finicky points, you know, when Sarah calls her mom and tells her where she is Mm -hmm. and then Arnie finds the cabin? Yep. And this is all with, like, bringing Terminator 2 into account. It would be cool if they kind of did that as a misdirect, like Kyle's actually told her to do that but told him the wrong address Mm. or told her mom the wrong address. And then when mom calls later and it's actually Arnie... They can do like that little lie trick to see if it's actually her. And then Kyle's like, your mom's dead kind of thing. So there's this amazingly depressing, dramatic moment for her. But they think they've gotten away from him because they're off the radar. But that's when he, as a Terminator, because again, he's an infiltrator, but he's also still a robot. He has some sort of little technological thing that he's invented to basically track the call or something like that. So he's actually still able to find them. So they think they're off the hook. Yeah. Which is why they let their guard down, which is why they spend some time getting to know each other, which is why they fuck. And because I'm a twisted prick and again I want this to be a horror movie, I would have him turn up basically just after they've finished fucking. I mean they have to they have to finish for John to exist, otherwise I'd say turn up during it. But like that idea of Nakedness and vulnerability, and someone's just kicked in the door. Yeah, yeah. you've got to go into fight mode after you've just got your jollies. Like,
1: and also, like, he gets a hole in one as well with like decimated, He's sell his sperm. Well, yeah, like (laughs) decimated, a post apocalyptic, irradiated (laughs) irradiated virgin sperm. He has, but he's like, yeah, Chernobyl (laughs) balls, and he got it past the.
0: You got to pass the keeper
1: on the first go. These uh, legend. He's, he's
0: doing something right. He should definitely write a book on how you know how to have a kid on the first fuck. Um, yeah, <laughs> and, and that's it again. But like, even though I guess I've probably been a bit more critical, it's just tweaks because the plot still holds up. And I even made notes where I'm like, oh, this is a plot hole, and then he addresses, like, James Cameron addresses it later. He's thought about it. I'm like, okay, this is the kind of sci-fi that I fucking really enjoy. It's yeah. the grounded form. I mean, I love Star Wars as much as the next person. You know, the super grandiose, let's lean super hard into sci-fi. But the, the kind of, like, the Terminator or Arrival where they've got one or two little science fiction elements mm-hmm. and the rest is just a drama or a horror I love those sorts of stories because those ones are more focused on the human story because they have to be. Yeah. Because The Terminator is sci-fi, but it's horror first.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's not a sci-fi horror. It's a horror sci-fi. Yeah, yeah. And Arrival is a drama first and it just happens to have aliens. I really loved Arrival. Arrival is amazing and probably you will never really hear about it on this show again because I, even I've only seen it... Once or twice, I cannot think of how I'd change it. It's it's beautiful. Mm. It's one of those recent movies that is just like, if you haven't seen it, please, please go and see it. It's incredible.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> the Terminator. So how many um, <laughs> how many uh can you C- remember the full thing? <laughs> Cigar chewing garbage men, would you give it out of five? I was the
0: same as you, yeah, four. So four well, for sure. That's why I found it interesting because, yeah. yeah, you seem to have way fewer nitpicky things.
1: Look, if I thought about it and wrote every single thing no, down, I'll but, 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 but I, I'm trying to look through it um, from the 1984 lens, which is, you know, limited budget, limited technological options, uh, if we if we even look at things like if we went back and, and and assessed like every film that was trying to push the boundaries of the technology available at the time, there 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 are a few that hold up so unbelievably well as to be un- almost shocking, but they are they are the few and far between. Um, so I'm trying to give it the benefit of the doubt. Um, and in terms of the story, I already established at the very beginning that I think it's an incredible idea and I think it's executed so well and it left everybody wanting more. Like, there's a reason that this franchise still exists even though there's been so many ham-fisted elements of it.
0: They didn't rush a sequel.
1: They did not uh, rush the sequel. If I recall sequel. correctly,
0: it was 91 when Terminator 2 yep. came out. That's seven years between drinks. Yeah. He didn't go, oh, well, this is a cash cow. Let's go and make Terminators 2 through 10. No. He was like, uh, he
1: waited and he, he made sure that he had an amazing idea. Totally. And, um, like, <laughs> I I didn't actually watch it all and I, I really should go back. This was, you know, I was trying to catch it when it was on its... Uh, like free-to-air television run rather than on a streaming service or, or whatever. Uh, but I really enjoyed the Sarah, uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles. Sarah I, Chronic Chronicles! Chronic! She smokes the chronic! It's Fuck yeah! Every day 420 Sarah! It's... No, um... <laughs> <laughs> no! Uh, <laughs> Amazing. D- starring Dr. Dre as Sarah Connor! No, um... It, this, you know how to use one of these? It's... <laughs> No, the Sarah Connor Chronicles I thought was quite good.
0: Yes,
1: uh, quite good is the right way to, to describe it. Yeah, yeah, it. but when you look at that, like in in the frame of like that series versus uh, it was Terminator Genesis and, and all that kind of thing, like there's. I think the TV series does the, does the franchise and the idea and the world that's been created. I think it does it justice more than most of the the films that preclude Terminator 2. Well, they got the
0: casting right. They did. And, you know, like Linda Hamilton is amazing as Sarah Connor uh, mostly because of Terminator 2 and uh, sorry to shit on you again, Ryan Johnson but, like, if you want to talk about a a between movie backstory that actually makes sense to go from innocent her biggest her big her name's Sarah Connor and her biggest concerns are her date snubbing her and is she gonna make enough tips today at work? Yeah. Uh, to this badass doing chin-ups and stuff like that, who yeah. is the opposite of what we're used to, then just follow the Terminator One Two model. Cause by the end of Terminator One, where she leaves off logically leads to where she is in T2.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh,
0: So Sarah Sarah Connor and Lyndall Hamilton's portrayal of that is amazing. It's made more amazing than the fact that she's an identical twin that allowed for them to do that particular scene in Terminator 2 with the the doppelgangers in the same scene at the same time, which is just amazing. But, uh, yeah, the casting they got right. Like casting Cersei, and obviously she wasn't Cersei at the time, but... As uh, Sarah Connor in that show it was awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's an incredible actress, and I love her and everything she's in. And we're meant to hate Cersei, and she really makes us hate Cersei. But we really liked her in the show. Loved her in the show. Loved her in uh, Judge Dredd
0: And the fucking worst thing, talking about these other Terminator movies, you mentioned earlier that we might do T two. I am very resistant to that at this point. Have a cry, cunt. But, name of the episode, but uh, <laughs> Terminator 3, Genesis, Salvation, I'm pretty sure I added all of them without even thinking. You
1: did, yeah. I look at the spreadsheet and I'm like, no, nil interest. Yeah, and you're thinking about it like it's
0: a box set. Like, well, if we've got all the other ones, we've got to T2 there. No, we don't. Oh, right oh right-o. But anyways. Fire up, bitch. <laughs> my dear. Terminator <laughs> 3, where... Sarah Connor has an unceremonious off-screen death from leukaemia yeah. is just like, fuck you. Do you know whose series this is? It's not fucking John Connor's story. No. He is the full stop. Like, we know that humanity wins. Yes. That is fucking boring. This is literally prequels, the series. Yep. And they're doing it in such a provocative and evocative way. And you're like, no, 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 we get this. The real star is John Connor. I mean, he's not in it in the first one. He's just a a twinkle in his father's eye. But no, Mm. fuck you. This is Sarah Connor's story. It always has been. And to have her be dead... Off screen from fucking leukemia. And they, they ran with that in the show as well. I That's was terrible.
1: Like, it's really
0: terrible. Because they wanted it to be canon and he's
1: like, I'm so glad that this new movie, I'm assuming, is ignoring the fuck out of that. But, it's, it's, and, but to me it feels like it's not canon. Like who signed that off?
0: Whatever. Like, like But this is because Cameron didn't own
1: the rights. The yeah. rights. Like, yeah, yeah, fair enough. He
0: could yeah. have been involved. I'm sure maybe they offered him for him to be involved, but he was you know, swimming in Titanic cash or whatever the fuck he was doing at the <laughs> yeah. time. He didn't have to touch Terminator. I'd like to think he didn't have a good Terminator idea. Mm-hmm. So he, like the seven-year wait between T1 and T2, he didn't want to do another one if he didn't have an idea that could work with Arnie because his big thing was you've got to have Arnie. That was his biggest problem with Salvation. I mean, there's a lot of problems with Salvation, uh, Terminator Salvation, but he was like, you can't have a Terminator movie without Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, it's kind of a fair point. And he introduced the idea for how to make him work in Genesis. And it was a very simple lore idea, which was, well, he's got human skin, but that human skin would age. Therefore, his hair would go gray. Therefore, he would have wrinkles. And I'm like, that's so simple, but it works. Instead of them trying to shoehorn this old fuck into the role, it's like, well, it works. The, Mm. The logic stands. Fuck that movie, though. Fuck that
1: movie. <laughs> yeah, no. But look, it's a franchise I'll always support. And unfortunately, that's the same with Alien. I mean, I'll go see everything that's under that franchise umbrella. You have to. Um, Which yeah. is
0: sad when they when they disrespect it, right? Totally. But like James Cameron's involved in this next one. Tim Miller, the director of Deadpool. Um, I have a lot of hope. And Linda Hamilton's back. Lots of people are already bashing it, but I'm like, I have more faith in this to work than I did for 3 Salvation or Genesis. Yeah, yeah. And I liked parts of the pictures of those, all of those movies, and I even liked parts of all of those movies, but none of them resonated with me in a way that made them essential viewing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want this one to be good, and I have, I mean, I'm going to curb my enthusiasm, but I have higher hopes than I did for the other ones purely because James Cameron's involved again like I don't want to believe that his magic's dead No, and I don't no. want to believe that there are still Terminator stories that can be so- I mean you've got fucking time travel as a device the Genesis's um Genesis's uh idea like it's core idea of let's infiltrate through timelines let's jump back and and intersect was cool on paper, that's a cool thing. Yeah. That is what a a series that has uh, time uh, time travel as a device allows you to do, and I like that part of it. But everything else can fucking go die in a fire, including the casting, top to bottom. Holy shit! I know no. you rate, like you love Dragon Lady, De- De Amelia Clarke. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't actually know. I don't know that you love Amelia Clark. I know that you love her in Game of Thrones. Yeah, I do. I do. But I did not think she was a good Sarah Connor. <laughs> she wasn't, but she looked so much like her. And I did the, not think Jai Courtney was a good Kyle Reese.
1: No, that's and really poor. That other guy,
0: sorry, other Aussie guy whose name I'm blanking on, he was not a good John Connor.
1: And and the the repetition of the smile joke, like don't even remember for, it. You know where Amelia Clark, well, Sarah Connor is basically treating the Terminator like her dad. Yeah, like, and and they kept repeating that. Do the smile, and he'd do that goofy grin, baring his teeth. They repeated that joke in that film, and it's the it's a, it's the Terminator Two Judgment Day joke, where it's like he's trying to with John Connor's trying to teach
0: him how to smile but that's from the director's cut as well which not everyone's
1: familiar with yeah 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 so okay so that's from the director's cut that's even nerdier yeah yeah but in the in in this one with Amelia clark they they repeat that joke honestly three times in Uh, the film and and it's just like get some new material you are milking a joke that's existed since 1991 I'm sure we'll get to it eventually, uh, Genesis, I mean. Yeah. And we'll have a full episode dedicated
0: to it. But let me just say, my biggest problem with Genesis was that they created multiple timelines. Because I think the problem of when you create multiple timelines is that nothing matters. Everything matters. Because
1: it can be changed with the sweep of a pen.
0: Like, it's... It means that in one timeline, Skynet 1. In another, Humanity 1. It means that nothing matters. What I've always... My understanding of the internal logic... And this is not by any means backed up by anything... Of um, the Terminator 1 and 2... The only ones that matter... Is that... If you're talking about machine logic... Robot logic, right? Mm -hmm. The Terminators fail to... Or Skynet fails to kill Sarah uh, Sarah Connor... And stopping uh, John Connor from existing... So instead of them sending a Terminator... To kill John Connor as a child... Why don't they try to kill Sarah Connor as a child? Why don't they try to kill Sarah Connor's mum or her dad or her granddad or any number of people before yeah. fucking pricks with muskets versus, you know, this unstoppable machine? Yeah. And my way of making sense of what might be considered to be a plot hole in that respect yep, is that, and this is going to sound super nerdy, is that time... In the Terminator universe, moves forward at all times, meaning that in the future, on this single timeline, if you have passed the point at which you can send someone back to kill Sarah before John exists, then you've missed that window and your next window is to kill John as a kid and then your next window is to kill John as an adult you know what I mean like there are diminishing returns and that creates actually the awesome dramatic thing for Skynet like Skynet doesn't have unlimited chances Mm. to do this it has um, chances on a timeline that it's running out like Mm -hmm. it's running out of opportunities to stop itself from losing Yep. and I've always liked that but then Genesis is like nah fuck it there's multiple timelines and I'm like it doesn't matter then they lose in one they win in another Yep. And multiple timelines is a whole other fertile ground to explore for Mm sci-fi. I just don't think it has any fucking place in Terminator. Yeah. But.
1: but Valid point. Valid point.
0: You done on Terminator? Yeah. I just wanted to say, and like I hinted at it, I think it was the last episode or maybe one before, where I talked about one of my story ideas, which was for It Follows, Um Whenever I get a little idea, I mentioned one earlier that I had in conversation with Katie the other night. Whenever I get an idea, I write down, I try to write down a title and then I try to push myself to write a log line after some initial notes. I have ideas for existing IPs and I have about 100 or so ideas for my stuff, just original things. Now, some of these, very likely most of them will end up being nothing, But I try to force myself to write a logline to say, would I watch this movie? Now, my Terminator idea is called Terminator Reloaded. (laughs) Working title. Nice. And the logline is this. After Judgment Day, a desperate Sarah Connor fights to stop Skynet once and for all, but is caught in a time loop. If she wants to save humanity, she has to let her son John die. That's the logline. And it was the idea of saying, if you're going to do, like, time travel as a device in Terminator... Yep. ...why hasn't someone pitched or done a Groundhog Day of Terminator movies? And I don't, I'm not talking about, like, a an offbeat... But you
1: mean, like, Edge of Tomorrow sort of thing?
0: Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, right. But, like, you can reset, but, like, they do in Edge of Tomorrow, but there are consequences. So that's what I wanted. And the ultimate decision would be, does she save John or does she save humanity? Now I have other ideas around that, that make it juicier. This is going to sound super wankery. I don't even want to say what they are in case like, there's a day where I actually get to make it. Cause it will fucking spoil shit. But I'd watch, I'd watch that movie. And that's, that's the ideas that, that I have that come to me that st- sit with me and that I commit to writing. are uh, Like, would I watch this movie? I don't just write shit down. Cause I'm like, yeah, hey, I'd do a Terminator idea and uh, here's an idea out of my ass. Like, if you're gonna do time travel, why hasn't someone done that one yet?
1: Yeah, and look, I think that'd be a really awesome film, and I'd be really interested to see it because what we've set up in the world so far, and that's not to say that it can't change in the way that you've presented it. I think there are ways it can't change based on how it's been established, you know, in a lot of ways, but the way you've presented it, I think I think this can pardon me, essentially turn things on its head still within the law that's been established,
0: and that would be the idea to respect um, it, like what yeah. Endgame did, which is to say, time travel is not a get out of jail free card. No, there are consequences.
1: Yeah, Um and it'd just be, it'd be, I'd be very interested to see how that plays out when, through every iteration of the series, John Connor is the savior and the hero. Without him, it Skynet can't be beaten. But that's what that's
0: like for me. And and this is what pisses me off when people talk about like he's a robot he wouldn't understand like I have very robotic logic and that's why I said like uh, if Skynet failed to kill the mother why doesn't it go back and kill the grandmother the great grandmother the grandfather whatever like why so, does so that
1: so that quite literally uh, an established lineage doesn't live as it should because you've eliminated one part of the process. Yeah, and there yeah. is a
0: there is a technically an in universe example for that which is they didn't have their records, that's why they knew that she was at a certain place at a certain time and they they knew that her name was Sarah Connor and you know the army was killing three of them or whatever, right? But it doesn't explain why the T1000 isn't then sent back to kill Sarah mm-hmm. Connor at the same point. Like yep. why don't they just keep trying with newer models, with different models, with five of them, 10 of them, like it doesn't Make a lot of sense. Unless... And this is me creating reasons mm-hmm. for why... What would otherwise be a plot hole would be a, an opportunity. Yep. And something to create dramatic tension. Mm-hmm. And because Skynet is unstoppable, you kind of want them to have that human thing of being like... Well, they're not invincible. They actually lose on every timeline that matters. In all of these movies, mm-hmm. they lose. Yep. Skynet loses. So... They lose because of John Connor. Okay, and I get what Genesis was trying to do with that whole thing. I fucking don't respect it at all. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I guess block your ears. But <laughs> making John Connor into a fucking Terminator...
1: That was, was bad. ...is the dumbest shit. That was really bad. And it it flew in the face of everything that had been previously established, exactly. which is a no-no in you know, big franchise things. Why with, make a sequel? With, with decades of time past and elements of the story put together and die hard fans that have come on the journey from the beginning.
0: There are many things you can tweak and change. I would argue that is one that you can't. Yep. And the same reason you can't make Sarah Connor a Terminator. You can that, make that, that would be create a yeah. Sarah Connor that is a Terminator. That looks to like fool her John
1: Connor. Yeah, like that same with
0: John Connor. But you yep. cannot make the John Connor a Terminator. No. Or the Sarah Connor, A Terminator. Just well, it's, as, it's
1: like, oh no, it was all like she was in on it all along. Yeah. It's like, well that goes like, why why you know, why have we got all these uh scenes and plot points with her fighting for humanity? And why was and she? Looking a at, and looking and looking and looking insane while she's doing it. Like, yeah. that doesn't make any sense. It, it's
0: it's yeah, there, yeah, there's a lot that you can tweak and change, but you can't touch. You can't touch that. Can't touch this.
1: Can't touch it. Can't
0: touch it. <laughs> All right. It's time to talk about Friends of the Podcast.
1: Yeah, Friends of the Podcast.
0: Uh, Ray Bannerman, designer of logos, runner of Movie Weekly, owner of the best cinema in Australia,
1: maybe the world. And sucks to be you guys because we get invited to watch films at his cinema and it's better than Gold Class, so eat shit, basically.
0: It's actually the worst because
1: it's the best.
0: It is. Because... There are movies that you can see. Uh, We've got an awesome LED. Not LED. um, OLED. OLED OLED TV, which is fantastic. I think it's amazing. Uh, There are cinema presentations where you go to the right cinema at the right time with the right digital projector or the right 4K presentation. And you're like, this is why I go to movies. And then you go and watch that movie at Ray's place. Mm -hmm. And you're like why did you break movies for me, Ray? In a very good way. Yeah, yeah. In a very, very good way. Uh, Also, want to give a shout-out to The Gap. We talked about Borderlands 3 earlier. I'm sure if you listen to their latest episode, or maybe it was two ago, you'll get a very much bigger, deeper dive on Borderlands 3. If you want to know about anything gaming-related, the guys at Gap uh, talk a lot about games. You should listen to them.
1: And they're both really great hosts as well. So this is a big shout-out to Luke and Job. They do a fantastic job with the... The podcasts that they have there and I personally really enjoy listening to it even though I'm not in the community and the industry as heavily as you are Uh, I think they're they're just really great hosts and I enjoy the content that they produce so well done guys and I'll keep listening you have a fan in me
0: and occasionally I'm on there uh, you can go and find old episodes. There. They're,
1: they're the ones I don't listen to because they're usually shouldn't. pretty crap. Yeah. The
0: last episode I was on was nine uh. and a half hours, so, yeah, don't. Yeah, oh God, just, <laughs> if kidding. you see my name in the description, just know that you're you're basically in for a season's worth of Game of Thrones of listening, um, but, but with better better content.
1: Oh, topical.
0: Where can people contact us, Katie?
1: Hit us up anytime at hello at heresmymovie.com. That is the direct pipeline to myself and Nate. There's also a contact form on our website, Here's heresmymovie.com. So we've recently redesigned that because I know it looked like a total turd uh, and I've since fixed that to the best of my ability at the moment. Um, and looks great. I'm going to need some outside help to fix it any more than it is currently. Um, but yeah, so fear, PH, my very limited web skills. Uh, you can also hit us up, at fb.me forward slash here's my movie that's our facebook page or twitter.com forward slash here's my movie that's our twitter we haven't really like started doing the whole social thing hardcore but we've definitely claimed the pages and we will get the notifications if you hit us up there um and expect that to grow over time because all of this shit takes time uh, we have recently hit 100 downloads, so thanks very much for that. It's a milestone for us. We're proud. It's a milestone considering we've been sort of alive for a month, so I'm, yeah, particularly proud of, of how we've we've done that. So thank you very much to our small but thriving community, and I hope we can make you proud down the track. And
0: what we, what we want you to hit us up with uh, ideas, like movies that you would love to hear us dissect. We won't always do them uh, because, like we've identified in this... Episode. There are things that we just don't think warrant an episode. But if you send us uh, your own ideas of either things that we have done or things that you'd like us to do, we'll read that out. Questions, requests. I had a friend recently request uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Mm-hmm. So I'll add that to the list. I've been meaning to rewatch it. I'm a bit scared because I don't know if there's a whole lot I'd change. It's just. Do as we was... have
1: that on four K? I think I bought it, didn't I?
0: No, I think that we will.
1: We will have Definitely to Definitely will that. buy fine. it
0: to watch it because it's worthy of, of, being, of being in, in the our library. Collection. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, Interestingly, I meant to mention this in the last episode but I forgot, is we distribute this podcast through a, uh, an app slash channel slash platform, whatever you want to call it, called Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm, you will be able to see what Anchor is all about. Uh, it's a really good podcast app just if you want to subscribe to us, to subscribe to various other podcasts that are distributed through the platform as well. Um, but the here's what I want to talk about is that through Anchor, you can actually leave us messages like you would oh, uh, really? a phone call or something like yeah. that. So, um, And we can – really easily like add you in into our podcast in terms of editing and things like that so you can ask us questions and we can answer them lot li- you know in the live recording of our show um heavy so breathing heavy breathing. sexual propositions yes hate
0: mail we won't we definitely won't give you a platform if you do that <laughs> so just save your breath and just write it and we'll delete it
1: <laughs> i know i'd probably give it a platform to be honest i can be pretty rude um fair enough. But um yeah, so if if there's actually something that you want to say to us uh and have and be part of the show, hit us up on Anchor, Anchor.fm, search for Here's My Movie, you'll find us, or I think you can go to anchor.fm fm forward slash here's my movie I'm not actually sure if that URL works but you'll find us either way just type in here's my movie anchor and it should come up in Google um, and you'll be able to follow the steps to leave us a message and we would be more than happy to have you part of the show because you know like any podcast we're looking to build an audience and we can only do that with you so get involved tell your friends and we really appreciate it and we love you
0: Katie loves you I'm, I'm devoid of love yeah But that's why you come back You know you come back for her warmth And my cold Distant self
1: Yeah Yeah you definitely He's come across This very yeah. cold Yeah I'm industry. the
0: Terminator She's Kyle Reese
1: oh, don't, I don't want to be the shit one
0: Yeah Well you know I don't want to be No I do want to be Fuck off <laughs>
1: Alright We're not going to bother you anymore We'll be back next week uh, So Alright Next time
0: On Here's My Movie
1: We'll be diving deep into the fairly recent horror. Horror? It was horrific. Horror? Question mark. Classic? Question <laughs> no, mark. God, no, 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 no. It's not fucking classic. not a classic. We're going to be talking about Truth or Dare. That is a horror film that we saw last year, and we're going to revisit it again so that you don't have to. Uh, It was actually the
0: genesis for this podcast. Yeah. So uh, we'll talk more about that next week. But, uh, yeah, that's why we're doing it. I I know a lot of people probably haven't seen it.
1: Yeah, but if if you like dissections of, like, really shitty recent horror films, and you know what? I'm going to – I'll bet that most of you have some sort of intrigue on that topic. So please visit next week and we'll be talking all about that. I, for one, am looking forward to tearing that to shreds and I hope you are too. So let's go on that journey together. Tell you what, why don't you watch Truth or Dare? And then join us for the next episode.
0: Because we have to watch it again.
1: Because we have to watch it again, so why shouldn't you? Katie's very, very
0: happy that I have discovered an extended version. Oh, fuck off.
1: What could they (laughs) have added? Again, what could they have added? Hey,
0: what couldn't they have added?
1: (sighs) Anyway, again, so if you want to see yet another fucking film that's got everything comes back to some Mexican curse that's only just been discovered. Oh, spoilers. Yeah, then, yeah, let's, look, just join us next time for Truth or Dare and we'll, we'll sort you out from there. So from us to you, thank you for listening. Join us again in Nate and Katie's virtual lounge room and we'll catch you soon. And we'll be back. We'll be back. Goodbye.
0: What the hell?